Hello and welcome under the Kotatsu. I am your host, Austin, joined as always by Danny. Hello. And Danielle. Hey, nerds. And we are back for the final time to talk about IGPX. Uh, but before we do any of that, let's go around the table and see what everybody is drinking. I'm going to start because uh, I am drinking coffee, as always. <laughs> Nothing changes around these parts, except uh, I opened a new package of coffee today um it's from like a roaster in los angeles it's very good i like it a lot at least so far until i'm like into the second bag and i'm like damn i'm tired of this i want different coffee already but anyway what are y'all drinking i've just got the standard black coffee as well hell yeah i am drinking a chai latte uh, i just recently bought some uh chai and some matcha from uh, adagio I, I get my coffee from trade and my tea from adagio generally um so decided to make that up in the way that i really like uh my teas generally which is to say with hot milk or cold milk depending um because i don't know I've, I've uh i've never been like a straight tea drinker i like milk in my tea um and so instead of going out to buy a chai latte from like starbucks or whatever i'm just gonna make it at home nice it is it is me i am the straight tea drinker mm. i drink tea without anything added to it i hesitate to set, call it straight just don't like that mm. word <laughs> it's fair drink my tea uh gay whatever that means to you <laughs> happily <laughs> well i mean drinking your coffee gay is drinking iced iced coffee in the middle of december we all know that. that i always heard that was a buy thing <laughs> it could it could be both yeah, sure, why would, not? Uh, it's, we're all inclusive in our uh, cold weather coffee <laughs> habits. I would also say the opposite is true, that drinking hot coffee in uh, the summer is also uh, a gay act of rebellion. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm, I just love iced coffee all the time, no matter what. Just, like, not even like a, oh, it's cold, I'm going to drink iced coffee, but, like, I just like the taste of iced coffee better than uh, hot coffee. I think it kind of mellows it out for me. That's me with hot coffee. I love just hot anything uh any beverage hot better than a beverage cold not always true mm. but <laughs> that that's part of the appeal for coffee i love drinking some hot fluid anyway uh so we're we're back to finish off uh igpx the second half of the second season so that's episodes 20 through 26 um and let's just get into it uh so starting off with episode 20 which is called comeback um, Amy's able to walk now and is going through physical rehab in order to be out there in the next race to encourage her Liz, Jesse, and Takeshi prepare a big meal for her Andre however is not ready to let Amy back on the team unless she can prove she'll be better out there than him meanwhile the stakes are high for Team Sledge Mama going into the race against Team Satomi with the threat of Yama getting cut from their team if they lose hanging over their heads. Uh, after a mixture of rehab training and support from Takeshi and Liz, Amy is able to show that she's fit to replace Rocket G after a simulation match against him, and Team Satomi heads into the race against Team Sledge Mama back to their original lineup. Um, that's basically this episode. It's just, hey, Amy's back, which are like half of my notes. It's like, fuck yes, Amy's back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm definitely glad she's back. She's easily my favorite of the um, Team Satomi. Yeah, so yeah, her and Luca, like, being... Like, her by herself, I could take her leave, but, like, her and Luca's dynamic and what they bring to the team together, I think, is uh, very cool. Um, I was uh, a little confused in terms of... Not, like, confused or whatever, but, like, at first, I was like, oh, okay. Um, 
like they're doing like rehab for her leg and all that and they show her on the hospital roof assumably she like got up there herself like they didn't show anyone else up there with her and then like the nurse is like oh we got to do the balance bars essentially like the the proper rehab kind of thing and i was like i feel like if she got to the roof she she must be like reasonably okay but then the doctor is like oh you can walk but i don't want you doing anything too strenuous kind of thing which that threw me off also because i was like wait is is mecha piloting like strenuous on your body i guess i guess you're going like really really fast but uh my brain was like i feel like it's not like a leg activity it's like a whole body thing but uh yeah no it was uh uh a good training sequence a training montage of, of amy getting better good enough to get out of the hospital and then continuing on like almost pushing yourself too far like when she was on the treadmill and she she's running really fast and then falls uh kind of thing so uh, glad she's back yeah um you mentioned her doctor did anybody else catch yes the name and who who voiced the doctor uh-huh, uh-huh. do you want to say uh so it's uh the doctor is dr I can't remember if it's if they say dr bloom or dr blum but it's voiced by steve blum yes yeah <laughs> I think he voices a couple of other very minor characters. This is one of the few minor characters that he voices that actually has a name. And I was like, really? You're just going to be like, yep, it's, it's Steve Blum. I think, I think we might just be saying his name wrong, because I do call him Dr. Bloom. I think it might just be Steve Bloom, and we've been saying his name wrong for all these episodes that we've talked about him. Yeah. Apologies to Mr. Bloom or, or Blum. Uh, yes. But yeah, I had a note saying, like, uh, oh, is, like, was, that, was that Steve Bloom? And then later, I have a note because he called like he uh, 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 Tom Kenny's character, the announcer, is like, "Oh, and you know, we have Amy back in the match for you know for the against Sludge Mama." And the doctor calls Amy and is like, "Hey, I think we might have not understood each other when I said no strenuous activity." Uh, but he says like, "Oh, it's hey, it's Doctor Bloom here." And I go, "Oh, okay, yeah, that okay." Because at first I was like, "Was that him?" And then he said, oh, "This is Doctor Bloom." And I go, "Okay, yeah, no, that's that's him." I have two back-to-back notes, which are, "Huh, that doctor's voice actor sounds super familiar." Second line, probably seconds later, "Oh, it's Steve Blum." <laughs> like, <laughs> and then later I just have like all caps, "Doctor Blum," lol. Uh, <laughs> I I really like the so the line that's that, that's a callback to earlier is very funny because. Um, he's like, oh, you know, no, no extraneous activity, but you're like, good, I'm going to discharge you. And she goes, how about driving? And he goes, yeah, driving's fine, just only a little bit. And she's like, sick, I'm getting in my back. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, yeah, because that's what he says. Like, we misunderstood each other because he says, like, um, when I said driving, I wasn't expecting 700 miles an hour or whatever. Yeah, it's very good. I will, I will say, shout out to, uh, to Steve. Um, I think we said in one of our recent episodes that he always just sounds like Steve. Uh, this is the first time where I was like, wait a minute, like, that's a voice. He's doing a voice. Good good for him. It's like a much higher voice. But then at the end of the sentence, you can always tell he goes back to like the, the dulcet kind of honey-like voice at the very end. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. You tried, buddy, but can't, can't fool me. Um, in terms of the race, we also get some drama with Sledge Mama. Yeah, so I guess I had a note from an earlier episode that's just straight up wrong. I guess maybe Same. it was someone else in the team, not Yama, but I thought it was Mark Hamill's character that like retired and left the team because Rivers joined or River joined. But I guess it was someone else, one of the other Amas. Uh Tama, Dama, <laughs> whatever. Um but yeah, so but now it, he's in threat of being forced to retire if they if they lose. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, that's what. Yeah, I had a same similar note saying, "Oh no, don't kick Mark Hamill out." Though didn't he retire? Um, I don't know. Maybe I like we misunderstood. Maybe he said like, "Oh, I'm thinking of retiring" or something. I don't know. I'm I'm assuming this... it has to be just one of the other three original members of Team Sledge Mama retired, so that they have an excuse for like how Rivers is like a permanent member of the team. Right. Right. Um, uh, but I I like like having. This race be so important to Yama, though, gives Mark Hamill, like in both of these episodes, like the chance to really shine in his vocal performance. I think he, like, he's been good up to this point, but I think he's really good in these episodes because he's just so, like, mm -hmm. angry and on edge all the time because he's like, I have to win this race. Mm hmm. Um, some of the, uh, I feel like we're kind of flip flopping, but, you know, whatever. Fuck it. Um, the, with, uh, Amy and the food, uh, thing. Does this episode start with them grocery shopping? It's somewhere around the beginning. Yeah, I know it's like at the very, like, must be towards, it's my first note. Uh, but they, uh, Liz and Jess are like, oh, we're gonna, you know, cook or whatever. Um, so they're going grocery shopping and, and Takeshi's the bag boy. And the bag is like human sized. <laughs> it's like the longest bag I've ever seen in my life. And it's like, okay, like, I guess this is the future, baby. <laughs> this is how we pack groceries now. They're making a feast. They gotta, they gotta buy a lot of, a lot of food. Need a big bag. Especially because um, they have to make the food twice because they have a kind of a cliche, I guess, uh, horrible, destructive uh, time in the kitchen. That that entire sequence of events, like that entire like scene is just like batshit insane. <laughs> like, <laughs> just like kept going. It was like, oh my, like get get this man out of the kitchen. <laughs> just making things worse. Yeah. Well, I guess just Liz wasn't doing hold... a great job either. <laughs> yeah, well, cause she, she gives Takeshi the recipe book to hold. Um, and then it's like, okay, now add, add a pound of flour to whatever she's making. And Jess is like, um, that's like a lot of flour. Cause she's like dumping it in like the whole bag of flour. And she's like, that's a lot of flour. And she's like, no, that's what the recipe says. And she checks it and she goes, oh, you dummy. Like you, you had this open to the wrong page. It's like, what do you mean, Liz? You gave him the book. Like he didn't do anything. Uh, but yeah, no, it's absolute chaos. The, the oven catches on fire. Andre walks in and is like, "What are you guys doing?" It's like, "What do you What do you mean?" And we're cooking, <laughs> and everything's just bursting into flames. Yeah, the 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 scene just you think it's gonna be like, "Oh, they make crummy food," but then it ends with like death and destruction. <laughs> yeah, then we don't really see it, but they they do eventually figure their shit out because they do have like a proper um you know meal for for Amy when they have their like welcome back party. Um, yeah, present the food I'll, like it's a great british bake-off yeah <laughs> what do you think what do you think god now i'm just trying to imagine paul hollywood in like the production ig like style <laughs> in the show <laughs> um a little bit that i i like in this episode of um when amy comes home like she uh she like dances in her bedroom with uh with luca she like like has like holds Lucas paws and like swings him around with her. That's very cute. Um, mm. I like I like that G given how like she is just like sidelined for the last like two episodes before this. I do like that they make a big deal about her um, coming back. It was very happy uh, to have her back. Yeah, and her race with Rocket G is very good. Um, made me kind of wonder. I was like, I wonder if the simulations that they use has like. Um like every racer or every like team on it because they switch between what teams they're going through so i wonder if it's just like publicly available data but um she she kind of does the thing where uh like she has like an out-of-body experience with her mech like she really can't get into the rhythm of everything but then she kind of transcends and her, her mech talks to her 
you know, metaphorically, I guess, but uh, I was like, oh my god, the mech's alive. It's, it's a true Neon Genesis. It's, but uh, similar, not, they don't do like the sword fighting thing that they did with like Takeshi and Cunningham, but it's of that same vein where yeah. it's like, I'm no longer in the mech, I'm, I'm in the world kind of thing. Yeah, we get a couple more moments like that in this batch of episodes of like the like stakes and emotions being like too high for the show to just represent it with like what's literally happening and they have to like personify it with this like out of body uh kind of like heart mind soul sort of thing um mm-hmm. i thought i thought that was good i think i think my reaction to that in my notes is just all caps amy's fucking back um because she does <laughs> just like she's having a tough time in the simulator uh and then just like kind of psychs herself up and then just like like crushes it um I think of the next episode too. It's just like holy shit! Like Amy is fucking back. Like she's killing it. Um, uh, I have a note to. <laughs> it's a note is literally just hey, bring up this thing. Uh, but this episode reminded me a lot of um, uh, a show I've talked about before. Um, Uma Musume season two, the horse skill show, but the second season of it specifically is like an entire season of a sports anime, mostly an entire season of a sports anime dedicated to like thinking about and discussing and depicting like what happens when athletes get injured. Um, mm-hmm. Which I think that show does really well and like really goes for it in a way that like other shows that will have arcs like this don't go for it. Um, and like, I'm not gonna like kind of apples to oranges in this situation, but I did think this episode did like a, um, good job of really making you like kind of feel that tension between like you want her to go back out there and do it um but she's got like doubts and then she's got people like the doctor being like hey we don't want to see you get like hurt any worse kind of stuff um so i like that kind of all that stuff was there in the mix in this episode that it wasn't just like hey amy's discharged and now she's just back like they did spend like some time like with the fact that she's um you know coming off of a pretty serious injury yeah, because it's only at, like, the very end, when she's talking to her doctor on the phone, like, and he's like, oh, I didn't expect you to drive your mech, that you get the feeling that, like, they've put aside the doubt. Like, up until that point, you know, she, they show her doing, like, the, the rehab in the hospital, and she's, like, clearly struggling to, like, maintain her balance, and then she's running on the treadmill, and she kind of pushes herself too far and falls off, um, and she says, like, oh, I'm fine, I can keep going. So the whole time you're kind of like, oh, you know, like you said, you know, what if you go too far and injure yourself again? But I feel like at the very end when the doctor is like, okay, just be careful. That's kind of like the show's sign that like, hey, you know, she is back in it. We're not going to like take her out again. Um, at least at that point, I I got that impression where it's like, okay, she's, they're saying she's fine. Therefore, she's fine. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, they, uh, they took their time with it, which is good. They didn't. And cause, and we see that in previous episodes where, you know, she's in the hospital and, you know, clearly raring to go. Um, but you know, everyone has to kind of tell her like, no, don't worry. We have, we have Andre to, to back us up. <laughs> but yeah, this is my, my backdoor way of saying, go watch, uh, Uma Musume, uh, both seasons. Cause they're both good, but season two in particular is really fucking good. Yeah. I've, I've definitely been meaning to watch it. It'll happen soon or just. <laughs> inevitably get added to my infinitely growing backlog because i'm bad at watching anime nowadays (laughs) give me long enough i'll I'll just pick it for the podcast um because i I like that show a lot um this podcast is like an abnormally high sports anime uh proportion than what i was expecting when we started (laughs) (laughs) i it's it's funny i i have like a running list of shows i would like to pick for 
uh, the podcast, and there is like a decent number of sports anime on there. Um, especially because like there's there's a good number of like fairly short sports anime that I uh, have seen before and would like to revisit. Um, just kind of worked out that way. There's a few I have been meaning to to watch. Like I still need to finish. Oh god, what is it? Uh, Scorching Ping Pong Girls and that. Oh fuck yes. I think it's called like. <laughs> Stars Align or something? The one with the non-binary tennis player. Yes, uh, Hoshino Nosora is the... Uh, yeah, Stars Line is the English name. It's like, I know the Japanese team. Yeah, that that is something, give me long enough, I will absolutely pick for the podcast. I think that show's incredible. I think it's interesting uh, when the Japanese title and, and English title are, like, different. Like, Hoshino Sora is, is, like, stars in the sky, right? Or, like, sky stars right yeah like a star like the starry sky basically yeah 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 so it, obviously it's not going to be like literally translated because that wouldn't be that wouldn't make any sense but like uh interesting that they didn't go for like starry sky that they went for uh stars aligned <laughs> yeah anyway that's our that's our sports anime uh, <laughs> rabbit hole the um one thing i noticed again i think this might have been because uh they're in the daytime for the race uh something i noticed about sledge mama i really like is like so every team has their own little motif um you know skylark are all bunnies i think yeah yeah they're like rabbit like right sledge mama almost looks like cars like on the like on the like their back and like the like near their head they kind of like exhaust pipes i very much mm-hmm. got like a hot rod kind of feel for them yeah they're like they're sure. they're and like that matches their kind of like now that like cars are in- inherently greaser or like whatever but it kind of has that feel to it of like oh yeah we have the loud hot rod cars we're sledge mama which kind of goes to sledge mama playing dirty on the track yeah they didn't like their mechs didn't stand out too much to me in the first um uh, and like the first season when uh, we saw them but this season like really stood out to me i really like the the look and the way they move i guess that's mostly in the next episode but i do have a note from this episode kind of towards the end uh where we do see the race kick off um that like yeah their their mechs are really cool and definitely in comparison to like team satomi like they're they're clearly different um i think it'd be mm. easy for this show to just have like one type of mech and everybody's just like be like palette swap versions of each other mm-hmm. um so it's cool that like they do have like a, a like a fairly clearly defined aesthetic but like still have like distinct differences um, between them yeah and even within the teams i would say the different positions have very different like arms especially i think the defender typically has like these thick arms uh whereas uh takeshi's are like kind of slender like you know obviously because they're doing different positions they need to do different things so just by looking at the mechs it's like if i told you okay there's a forward a midfielder and defender and i showed you the three mechs you'd probably be able to guess which one's which yeah for sure um i have two more notes about the race at the end of this episode as it like kicks off uh one i just i really like that um the stuff with yama that like while they're in the race it gives like a bit more motivation to the opposing team besides just we want to win you know gives them a bit more like personal stakes um that you know yama wants to win so he can stay but the rest of his team also wants to win because they don't want yama to go like um you know it's not just uh yama himself being driven but the rest of the team is kind of rallied around him um so i like that i also like um i can't remember if this shows up in the (laughs) 
uh mobile suit gundam movie trilogy so i don't know if y'all have the reference right i think they're in there um the uh black tri-stars uh like mech squad the the zeon mech squad that uh amuro goes up against uh before they make it to Jaburo. Uh it's a fairly famous Gundam thing that they do the jet stream attack where they like all charge at Amuro and the Gundam and then they kind of like psych him out with the first two mechs and then the third mech like actually hits the attack or whatever. Like Sledge Mama literally do that at the end of this episode where they all li- line up after one another and go like straight for Takeshi and then Takeshi like thinks he's dodged like Rivers and Yama and then it's like the third guy that gets him or whatever. I was like definitely marked out for that when i saw it <laughs> oh and we should uh for a little context as to uh yama's situation so uh they told yama that if you don't win this championship we're gonna kick you off the team force you to retire and for them to win the championship they have to win the next five races that's what they explicitly say we cannot lose a single race to get the championship so that's really important because they changed that rule in the next episode, and I'll, I'll explain why I'm upset about that. <laughs> but uh, they explicitly say we have to win the next five races to to get the championship and save Yama from getting kicked off the team. Did they specifically say five? Because I feel like that's like not even possible for there to be five more races left for them. Like this is fairly late in the season for both teams. I think. I, I it's it's whatever whatever number it is. They say we have to win all the races. Okay. Yeah. So so whatever whatever's less they 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 can't lose because I remember Yama saying just like well fine we're just gonna win them all then kind of thing. Mm. All right. Well, that is all I have for episode twenty. Anyone else got anything, or should we move on? No, that's all my notes. Sweet. Um. Well, episode twenty one is called Decision. Um, the race against Team Sledge Mama is on, and they're pulling out everything they've got against Team Satomi uh, with Yama's fate on the line. After forcing an early pit from Sledge Mama, uh, things seem to be going well for Satomi, but a quick hit on Liz and Takeshi takes out an arm for each of them, uh, putting them in a tight spot. Some quick thinking from Takeshi, along with some aggressive play from a new and improved Amy, help Team Satomi stay afloat. Uh, as Team Sledge Mama switches into speed mode to try and uh, secure the race, a smart formation from Amy to compensate for Takeshi and Liz's damaged mechs help the three pull ahead and win the race. Uh, things aren't looking so bad for Yama, though, as a technicality in their previous match against Ed Raid uh, helps put them ahead in the rankings and keeps Yama on the team. Uh, post-race uh, Takashi is confronted by Cunningham, who shows himself to be eager to face Takashi after their performance against Sledge Mama. Um, I marked out so hard for this episode. Um, the uh, <laughs> the actual like animation and like the directing and like the sequences of this race are so fucking cool. <laughs> I think it might have ended up being my favorite race, although the upcoming race against um, uh, Valstein, uh, like their rematch, is pretty good too. Yeah, no, I love the you know they they lose complementary arms essentially. Like one person loses their left arm, one person loses their right, and they kind of like at first they're like bickering, blaming each other. And then eventually Takeshi like puts it all together, and and they the they jam their their bodies together and and do a whirlwind attack. Uh, I also love that um, they have a uh, the Andre before the race says, "All right, here's your advice: just win," uh, and then. Which goes against him, what he said when he was uh, back in action, where he said, like, I realized that that was a bad idea. Like, you probably need more advice than that. Uh, though he does it again, and I think 
they have they cut to him in like the control like in the command center and he goes like oh shit maybe saying just win wasn't the right move <laughs> whoops <laughs> so yeah the technicality uh i feel like the show has a problem with consequences like it it just it did this with um at the very beginning with the sponsorship thing where they're like oh i don't know that we can get a sponsorship and they just kind of be like oh but then i did so okay like no you know it happened off screen and then with um uh takeshi potentially being sidelined because he keeps being late to practice you know they go oh never mind just kidding you're back on the team and then they set up the oh yama needs to win all these races otherwise he's you know he's going to be forced to retire and it's like oh he loses Ah, but there's a technicality, and he can actually keep going. It's like, okay, just fucking do something. Like, that, it was it was getting to the point, and I think they do it again at some point later, I might have a note for it, but I got frustrated. I was like, you know, stop it. Like, this isn't, you can't keep doing that fake out and have it still be effective. Yeah, there's a lot of quirks uh, in the writing that they really lean on, um that like after 26 episodes you do kind of go like okay you can't keep pulling the same trick and expect it to work i'm mostly okay with it just because i think it fits the tone of the show well to like set up the possibility of something bad happening to a character like that and then finding a way to like make it all right in the end um something that i um didn't really have like forward of mind sometimes when watching the show but like came up when i was listening to some of the commentary tracks today was uh the fact that like they were making this with the idea that the average viewer age would be like somewhere between like 10 and 15 right Mm -hmm. so like it makes sense that you write the show that way like it's not it's not meant to like excuse it as like good writing or anything like that but it makes sense that you would go like well we don't want like this character to like like we don't want the end for this character to be, and then he gets booted from the IGPX and he never races again, you know, when you can <laughs> just kind of like have that stakes hanging over the race and then have something at the end to be like, well, actually he'll be fine. Um, you know, like it's not super compelling. And I think that's like, basically like, I think we all have the same critique of the show is that it's like not particularly deep, like thematically, or, you know, a lot of its characters are like one or two dimensional. Um, but that's, to me that's mostly fine because like that's what the show is going for and also i think like the um the actual races and the animation and the production there stands out so much that like that's really what i'm here for so it's kind of okay that the rest of it is just kind of uh bare minimum doing what it needs to do yeah it wasn't like a ruiner but yeah no definitely lessened some impact where uh, I feel like there could have been a little more but yeah i mean especially in the context of like yeah this aired on toonami it's a it is a kid show i mean it's i would say it's like family friendly or like technically for all ages like no one i don't think anyone would feel like talked down to by the show no one no one's talking in baby talk or whatever but at the end of the day it's trying to be accessible to everyone and yeah you know you don't want a, any character to just be like oh yeah you know thanks <laughs> fuck them kind of thing they they have to have some sort of way out kind of thing i guess but yeah and i'll get into it when we get to the finale but there's definitely some parts of the show that would have definitely gone differently if um it was like squarely a production ig um uh production and and cartoon network and toonami weren't involved at all um so that influence is definitely felt in these kinds of ways um but we'll we'll get to some of the more specifics later um so (laughs) i feel like there's so much to shout out about the fight uh 
I think my favorite part was just like, especially after coming off the last episode, is like Amy really gets the chance to fucking shine. Like Takeshi and Liz like both get fucked up early on where they lose their arm um, and they're like bickering. But Amy is just like like back and like ready to fucking do the thing. And she's got like a line about like, you know, like her injury made her. Um, and this is also kind of the like um, stuff I, that made me think about Uma Musume is like her thinking like, oh, the injury really made me like realize how much like being on the track meant to me. And I she was like, I thought I was like, you know, like scared or nervous or whatever, but it was like more of it like I should have been thinking about it as like a nervous excitement or something like that. And so like she's just like like this is ba- this is basically the end of her like character arc, I guess, is that like she's fully figured out herself as like a pilot and as a person. Um, and I think that's very cool that you get to see that in her just like kicking ass in this fight and then eventually like leading them down the finish line when she's got to like prop up Takeshi and Liz in their speed mode formation, which I thought was <laughs> like, turns out the show can get even stupider in terms of um, uh, combining the mechs together, which we'll get to. But I thought this yeah. was like kind of kind of fun in a in a stupid way um of like oh that's so silly that she's got to like support them and they're in this like uh like the um, like triangle formation with each other there's also a moment too where takeshi and liz like um do like the potato sack race thing of like they like lock the left sides of their bodies together that just kind of like spit around and attack mm-hmm. the other uh the other pilots because they're kind of thrown off by like what they're doing it's very fun um is is there a section in this that has a sword, like people sword fighting? Do they do like the the spiritual sword fight again? They do with um Liz and Yama. Yama's got like a knife in his like astral projection, and Liz is like doing like Muay Thai or like you know hand to hand combat uh, against him. Mm. Yeah, I know no, they it... did because I have one of my comments for this episode is, "Oh, you straight sword fighting." <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's the thing. If if our if one of our last batches was uh, no heterosexual explanation for it between uh, Takeshi and Cunningham, I would say this one is no monogamous explanation for this, which comes back later in episode uh, twenty five. But uh, absolutely no way you can justify this being uh, monogamous with the way that they they sword fight in these uh, this batch. I just like that so many of the characters of the show, like when they do this, they have like a weapon that like defines them like takeshi's got his katana cunningham's got a fencing sword like um liz is like hand to hand and of course like yamash just got like a fucking knife (laughs) he's the Mm -hmm. guy that brought the knife to the gunfight yeah i'm sure you could probably read some sort of cultural evaluation into that like the noble katana versus the scummy knife or something i don't know because yama's kind of written that way uh though i don't feel comfortable necessarily commenting on any sort of cultural perspective on that because i don't know but um i have a note i don't remember the exact context but i do know i knew i do know that this is true um that we exit the takeshi big baby arc takeshi stops being a big baby in this episode i think Mm -hmm. but i think he transitions into being an asshole i don't remember what he does um oh yeah so in the next episode my final note is oh transition from big baby takeshi to big dummy takeshi i don't remember why i put that but we see a new version of takeshi and this one is not good either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he's like he's mostly done being like a I'm an ace pilot, I don't need a team kind of baby and and more just like I clearly have a crush on Liz and don't know how to express it type of type of baby. <laughs> um new new baby type unlocked. Um <laughs> new baby just dropped. <laughs> <laughs> new baby just dropped. Uh 
I thought of a curse thing to say, and I'm not going to say it. I'm going to show restraint. Do it. Um, Do it. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Amy. The, Amy's the fucking uh, MVP of this race. Um, mm-hmm. I we get a bunch of this in these episodes, and I fucking live for it. But like Cunningham just being there post match to like approvingly like talk to uh, Takeshi at the end of the match and be like. I really like that racing you did out there, bro. Can't wait to to race against you. I'm like, does this show? Kn- I like. I feel like because I've listened to all the commentary tracks. I feel like the people that made this show do not understand how homoerotic what Cunningham <laughs> and uh, Takashi have uh, going on. But it's it is. Uh, I I eat it up every time it's on screen. Yeah, no, because the um uh uh I can't remember if it's this episode or at the very end where they bring back the. That Cunningham's a weird guy. Because anytime he says, like, oh, dude, like, I can't wait to race you. I want to suck your cock. Like, he then just, like, without, like, Takeshi doesn't say anything back. He just, like, minces away. <laughs> it's like, oh, Takeshi, bye. And he's just gone. And everyone's like, what the fuck is wrong with Cunningham? Yeah. I also, like, I don't know if we get one in this episode. We definitely get a few uh, in this batch of, like, they cut to Cunningham watching the race, and he's like, yeah, that's it. Takeshi, fuck him up. You got this. It's like, <laughs> dude is in love, and for sure. Absolutely. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, when he when he yells at Takeshi for, like, I no longer see you as, like, a worthy rival. Like, he, he seems, like, genuinely hurt. Like, he doesn't want to be. Like, it's not like, oh, I'm just kind of upset at this guy. It's like, oh, man, like, we could have been so much more kind of thing. Yeah, that's good. Is there a reason they couldn't do a pit for Takeshi and Liz's arms? I don't remember. Because they did it for Sledge Mama. It's actually the first time we've seen a pit, I think, and it wasn't Satomi doing it. Like, Satomi does not do a pit. Uh, but yeah. after the pit is done, then they lose their arms, and they don't do another pit? I don't know if there's... I don't know if they just didn't do it or, or what, but... Um... Yeah, I don't know if, like, the rule is that there's only one chance to pit for both teams so it's like when a team Mm. calls like i'm gonna pit that's like both teams chance to use it or maybe they just figured like maybe like maybe it's too late in the race or like they only Mm -hmm. would have been able to fix one of them in the time and not both of them i don't really know maybe yeah no it wasn't like distracting I i was just curious i actually thought that it like when you look at their arm it's not just like oh their arm fell off you can almost like see like it's kind of like ripped off like there's like yeah parts left in there so i'm i i thought it was like oh they literally like it was like unrepairable in the moment kind of thing because it wasn't like a clean oh his arm's gone and we can just kind of like pop out the joint and then put another one in it's like oh the joint itself is all gunky with the stuff but it was a good race really good yeah like like i said in the last episode the the team sledge mama mechs like i feel like this episode in particular did a lot to like animate the their mechs in a way that like they kind of like it's weird they like slink around on the the track like they move in these weird like unnatural ways um like they feel very uh elastic in a weird way for like a giant hunk of metal um Mm -hmm. was like very cool i like that like much more than the other times they've raced against them it felt like they had a very like distinct distinct style to them would would y'all agree with this assessment that the first season is very much about winning the IGPX like it's the races are like the center stage but in this one the races are almost like a means of character development 
like in the first one there is like the first season there still is like character development but i feel like in the second season like we said like oh this was amy's uh character arc finishing is her kind of realizing that she is like a the mech pilot that she she thought she was kind of thing um and like has grown into that role and then takeshi is going through his big baby arc and then big dummy arc and then liz is coming to terms with like everything she's going through with the orphanage and and so on and so forth like i'm not i don't want to say that the the igpx races are like not important because they they clearly are like that's the the main thrust of these episodes but it it just feels different this season than last season it feels a little deeper than last season yeah i think i i agree with your assessment on that Mm. and that's and that's kind of what they primed it as like they said like oh you know they uh they won the igpx but now they have a bigger target on their back and you know blah, 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 blah. like they they kind of make it clear like oh they've already won the igpx the question is can they handle the pressure so it, it becomes less about the the trophy and more about like how you deal with sudden stardom yeah as peter cullen said more money more problems that's true as peter cullen <laughs> says that's bad uh i have i did write down one specific line from cunningham i'm just now seeing uh as this post race uh he's talking to takashi he says uh that was frustrating i'd rather be out there racing you than watching (laughs) it's like cunningham (laughs) doesn't like to watch (laughs) oh no (laughs) (laughs) he's like you're just you're just tearing up the track out there i just wish you were doing that to me i mean uh what am i saying I'd um, like a, a latte with your cum. I mean milk. I mean cum. <laughs> there's um post race there's also another good moment with um Team Sledge Mom mother all like sitting around. This is when they find out that like, oh, due to a technicality with Team Edge Ray, uh Sledge Mama is gonna advance to the finals. Um uh Yama's like like someone calls Yama captain and he's like you shouldn't call me that anymore. I'm basically not on the team anymore. I'm just waiting for the coach to give me a call. Um and then they get the news, and then someone calls him dude, and he's like, hey, don't call me dude, call me captain. <laughs> Which is such yeah. a stupid line, but like Mark Hamill saying it, I'm like, this is Shakespeare, oh, that's a beautiful he sells line. It. Oh yeah. yeah, Mark Hamill is, is, a, is a real one, I tell you. It's very good, and I like that, uh, I appreciate that River, like, found, like, his people, you know, he seems to fit in with the, the Sledge Mama uh, crew pretty well. Yeah, I think I think in the first season when they first introduce him, like before he leaves, they kind of make him out to be like a, I don't want to say like a baby, but like you get the impression like, oh, he's not ready and he's trying to like rush things to, to take Takeshi's spot. And they later say that, no, he was never going to be able to race if he was on Team Satomi, which it's kind of dickish on Satomi's part, uh, uh, part but whatever. Um, but now like he he's definitely come into his own like when when takeshi asks him for advice in the last batch of episodes we did you know he's he's not like oh dude i have to like figure out how to be a good mech racer blah blah blah, blah. he's just like <laughs> he's like dude he's like hey dude stop bitching at me and be uh you know he's a, a perfectly valid racer like he he they, he says like i would have never raced with you guys and i found my own team now and i like them so you know i like river a lot yeah same um I got one last note for this episode, which is not super important, but I did want to shout it out that um, uh, there is a Jagged Jazzist song that gets used in this episode, and I think another one in this batch called For All You Happy People, which is a great song uh, placed towards the end of the episode, um, and I think fits really well. I don't know if y'all would have gotten it, though, because I realized um, that uh, 
as we've gotten further into the show, the differences in soundtrack between the production IG version of the show and the Toonami version of the show start to differ a whole lot. Um, hmm. So there's there's sometimes where the the Ninja Tune stuff is still used in the production IG version, and then there's other times where production IG just went like, no, you know what, this like boring orchestral song will sound better over the the race than whatever like herbalizer uh amon uh tobin song that they they used in the tsunami version so like that's a shame um i'll also mention now since i'm thinking about it the there's another difference between the two versions that i keep bringing meant to bring up um but uh so what's interesting is production id basically finished the show and then handed over like the final versions of the episodes uh to I guess like they would do this one episode at a time, right? But they would they would send over like, hey, here's the finalized version of the episode. Like we're not touching it anymore. Like no more. Like no, the animation is all fully done and everything. Um, and uh, Adult Swim would then um, basically beef up the sound mix for it. Um, so that would all, that would be like one, obviously adding in like the dub track and stuff. But also they would redo a lot of the sound effects for the show. So the sound effects for the mechs are actually completely different in the Toonami version. Um, which is a shame because uh, they're really fucking good in the uh, Toonami version. Um, they're uh, like they you get like the like loud kind of mechanical sounds when they pass by the camera. Like if you were watching like a Formula One race, like a NASCAR race, where you just hear the loud like motor as you go past it. Um, like it's really beefy in that way. Um, whereas I I checked out one of the um, production ig versions of uh the team velstein race and i was like oh yeah like this isn't this isn't shit compared to what they did but it was just a kind of like i think um listen to one of the commentary tracks they said it was mostly just because like production ig didn't have a ton of time to spend on the sound mix and like a lot of the people at like the toonami burbank studios like that's their thing so they're like we're gonna spend our time beefing up the audio since we're not really touching the animation all that much yeah, because they would they would handle the English dub stateside, wouldn't they? Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean especially if they have all these Mark Hamill and Steve Long. Yeah, duh. Um, yeah. So I just want to mention that since there's there's definitely some differences between them besides just like the the IG version has like the original Japanese OP and ED in it and stuff like that. Yeah, I definitely don't remember anything that I would be like, oh, that's a jagged jazz song. Mm. It's good though. Uh, it's a shame that it's hard to find a torrented version of the Toonami cut. Uh, it's a shame that you kind of have to get the, the DVD if you want to watch it that way, although I would recommend the DVD. It's it's worth owning if you like the show. Hmm. Um, anyway, that's that's all I got for this one. Um, shall we move on? Yeah. I'm down. Sweet. Uh, well, next episode is episode 22 called Function, Not Fashion. Uh, it's time for the IGPX All-Star Race this season. And to surprise, to the surprise of the rest of the team, Liz is selected to model for this year's IGPX fashion show. Uh, on top of that, she's spotted by Jesse, meeting with members of Team Skylark, um, leaving Takeshi, Amy, and Jesse to assume she's planning to quit the team. At the fashion show, Liz stuns all and walks away with uh, walks away the winner, revealing that she plans to st- plans to stay with Satomi, and was planning on how to use the prize money uh, to help the orphanage uh, she grew up at. Um, I was very excited going into this episode because it was like more um, all-star race stuff and then very disappointed that the all-star race stuff kind of took a backseat mostly to like the Liz is wearing a dress kind of shit. 
Yeah. So uh, I also love that. Uh, so in in the cut that we have that we watched uh, for the um, episode title card uh, in big white font, it's in Japanese, uh, and in the background it has the English title, like kind of like transparent, like you know, less bright or whatever. For whatever reason, my brain never parses out what the title of these episodes are so you telling me that it's uh function not fashion i was like oh okay that's uh-huh. a that's a neat title um but yeah no they do they have the expo event that they did last year the last season with the arm wrestling and all that we see a little bit of the obstacle course uh like we also see them moving segments of the track around which i thought was a very interesting detail um and yeah, like Liz falls trapped to the the sneaky pillar thing where she's like following after someone and then they move out of the way, revealing there's a pillar there. Um, but yeah, most of this is girls wear dresses, even if they like traditionally masculine things. What? Like, yeah, the she's very, giving the explanation. Yeah, like I think Takeshi's like, wait, you're the you're the one that they chose, and she says like, yeah, uh, modeling agencies want. Uh, a girl with strength these days, which I was like, hell yeah, I want a girl who could just break me in half. But um, she she slaps Takeshi uh, on the back, uh, and then Jess is like putting a, a band-aid or like a patch over it, and she goes, oh, it looks like a, a tattoo of a turkey. <laughs> <It's gone>. <laughs> Jess. <laughs> um, and yeah, so uh, why does she win the fashion show? Do you remember? I know, but I want to Well, there's a... <laughs> there's a wardrobe malfunction that she turns into the opportunity to turn her dress into like a mini skirt yeah so because takeshi even says like hey don't don't step on this is why he gets slapped she he says uh don't step on your dress and look like an idiot and she slaps him um and then lo and behold during the show she steps on her dress and, and tears it um into yeah like a mini cocktail dress kind of thing um and she wins the show and uh she has a wonderful line of i'm glad i wore pants <laughs> I'm glad I wore something under this. It's like, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, I will say it was all worth it because we get to see Cowboy Chic Rivers. <laughs> oh my <laughs> god. the yeah. highlight of the episode my god. for me. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah, I was trying to make a shit post, like, photoshopping him onto, like, the uh, Bounty Hunter show with the cowboys from Bebop, <laughs> but it didn't work out. <laughs> the posing just wasn't right, but that would have been good. <laughs> it would have been good. Oh my god. Uh, also... <laughs> Like he's like he's, he's like, like tipping his fucking hat like yes <laughs> yeah he like talks like a cowboy yeah he's like howdy partner yeah he goes he goes didn't mean to uh, he didn't mean no harm ma'am <laughs> so stupid. oh it's so I good love it. uh, they say at one point um, their complaint they're uh, comparing Takeshi to Rocket G and they say you're like Rocket Takeshi and I was like what the fuck literally Rocket T that's all you had to say you fucked it up whatever yeah i i also just love the idea that like rocket blank is just like a standard nicknaming practice in in this world mm-hmm. or that like whoever said that couldn't come up with anything better um uh another important but not important detail um that i noticed in this episode we were um so distracted by uh fontine valjean's name being like a, a combination of two characters from les mis that we didn't uh, we neglected to notice Eliza Doolittle, the other member of Team Skylark, literally named after the My Fair Lady character. Oh, see, that's I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? I didn't, I didn't know that was a character. I've never seen My uh, Fair Lady. N- 
Well, now you know. You you know that deep My Fair Lady cut in in IGPX. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna watch that and and <laughs> be like, wow, they named uh one of these characters after IGPX. That's insane. <laughs> t- traveled back in time to write a hit musical <laughs> and named all my characters after IGPX characters. Um, that's that's why real life person Andre Rublev is named Andre Rublev <laughs> after the IGPX character. Um, I, yeah, like I do think the idea of a of an IGPX fashion show is fun. It's just the way mm-hmm. that like the the conflict is mostly or not. Well, I guess like there's there's the part of it that's like oh they think Liz is gonna leave the team and join up with um uh Team Skylark, um but the rest of the conflict being like wow I can't believe she looks so pretty in a dress is is really dumb. Yeah, yeah, it fucking sucks. I realize I'm being quiet here, and I. 100% would usually be the first person to say this shit, but yeah, it just fucking sucks. Yeah. On on the plus side, <sighs> the um uh the fashion show is not just the ladies of IGPX. Uh like they're not just objectifying them. It's almost like a it's not really. I'm just thrown off by River because River's wearing a cowboy costume. I'm like, is it like a was it a costume ball? But no, I think it was just River decided that his high fashion was a cowboy outfit which like speak your truth brother like absolutely yeah. go for it uh but i'm glad that it's not just oh we got the the sexy ladies from igpx in dresses or whatever it's everyone great yeah i i do respect that river was like oh we're supposed to dress fancy i know what you mean <laughs> but busted out his <laughs> his bolo tie and cowboy hat uh, this is my I'm cocktail a little disappointed. attire <laughs> yes uh i'm a little disappointed though that um Cunningham wasn't the representative from Team Velstein uh, in a better was show. It, was it Jan or Du? I think it was it was Jan. Mm. Can't tell them apart. They're basically the same person. Most of these teams, the midfielder and the defender, might as well be the same person. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, shout out to um, Cowboy Cowboy River. I think that's all I really got for this episode. Yeah, I mean, it's another conflict that could be easily solved with communication. Like they, they're like, oh mm-hmm. my god, like you know, what if, what if Liz decides to join? Uh, they start with by saying another team, and then they, I guess, they see them together, and they go, oh, it must be going to Team Skylark, and I'm like, well, of course you're gonna go to Team Skylark, like the, the, the team with Fontaine Valjean, the princess. Of course you're gonna go there. Um, but again, they could have just said like, hey, Liz, we're kind of worried that you know you're not planning on quitting, right? But they don't, you know, which is fine. Like that's one of the, I mean, it's a common thread throughout the series is is that they suck at communication though normally uh jess is better about it and amy's better about it but whatever they resolve it within the episode so i'm not too grumpy about it yeah thank god it wasn't something that like carried over mm-hmm. yeah no uh, robot arm wrestling so it's no not like as good I, as I, last season but yeah like this episode made a bigger like i feel like I can't remember if there was a midfielder event in the last All-Star Race episode, but this one, at least, like, they went out of their way to be like, here's the forward event, here's the midfielder event, here's the defender event, but they, like, none of them were super exciting, and they didn't really spend a ton of time uh, with any of them. Like, it wasn't, like, the focal point of the episode like it was last time. Is is Amy the defender or midfielder? Uh, Amy's the midfielder. Liz is the defender. Liz has got the big, beefy, like, defensive mech. Right, right, right. That's what I thought. For some reason, my brain was like, what if it's the reverse of what I actually thought? But that makes sense. Yeah, and Amy's is the one with, like, the really pointed arms and legs, and also she literally does a common Rider kick as one of her signature moves. It's very <laughs> Um, 
All right. Anything else about function, not fashion? Or shall we move on? Yeah. I mean, it was a nice breather episode. Like nothing. It was funny. They had had a bunch of jokes that I laughed at. Like the, your hand, the handprint on your back looks like a tattoo of a turkey. Got a kick out of that. Um, But yeah, no, just kind of a breather. (laughs) Nothing much else going on. Episode 23 is called Fate. Uh, after a defeat from Sledge Mama at the hands of White Snow, it's time for a rematch between Team Satomi and Team Velstein to see who will face White Snow in the IG1 finals. As the two teams race through the non-combat first lap, the pilots of Team Satomi reflect on what the IGPX mean to them, while Andre thinks back on his sword past with Velstein's coach, once known as the Kaiser. Things then heat up as combat begins uh, in the Velstein Satomi race. Amy and Liz are able to hold their own against Velstein's midfielder and defender, but Takeshi going to, Takeshi's going to have to try a little harder if he wants to keep up with the genius pilot Cunningham. Um, yeah, really weird episode because they like sucks. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm used to the setup <laughs> of like we spend the first half of the episode in like pre-race mode, and then the second half of the episode is like okay, like the race is starting, but like kind of up to like the the peak and then the next episode takes it from there but to have this like you know we're just gonna spend the whole first lap like having people be like wow i really am thankful to be in the igpx and also to have this horrible backstory between <laughs> andre and kaiser oh yeah no it's uh, all of all of this episode fucking blows uh except for um when they have a flashback, I do like how the track looks different. Like, it's one of those things where, like, if you look at, like, NASCAR tracks when they first were made versus now, it's very night and day. And I think in this one, they had a lot of, like, kind of little details showing how the city has grown since uh, Rocket G and, and Kaiser were uh, going up against each other. But yeah, no. Um, a lot of issues with this one for me. Uh, Cunningham is excited to race Takeshi, you know, last... Like, you know, uh, last time they raced, he was like, I no longer consider you a worthy opponent. But like, a since come around to that, I can, you know, fine. Like, he's seen Takeshi race some more, and he kind of got jazzed about it. Uh, t- uh, Cunningham gives his backstory. Uh, oh, this whole episode is a bunch of exposition dumps. Uh, Cunningham's like, oh, I was wealthy, but my family wasn't there for me, and I was so bored. It's like, okay, I mean, it's very boilerplate, like... But I also don't feel bad for someone saying, oh, I was so wealthy. Like, I don't know. Sure, whatever. Fuck, like, I don't care. Um, And then the very gross uh, me and Kaiser and and Rocket G fought over this girl and it ruined their friendship because they didn't allow the woman to, like, have agency in her own relationship or whatever. Uh, And then it's revealed that Andre's like a divorced dad for whatever reason uh though that's not gonna stick again because the show doesn't like consequences uh, it i was getting this is where my notes start getting a little more negative as we go forward yeah i think this is probably a low point of the show it's just like it's it's not good yeah. but it's also just like not even like interesting and in how it's bad mm-hmm. yeah definitely i mean we've seen this can we just like combine episodes 10 and 11 for discussion because like i want to say things but i'm not sure which episodes the stuff is in because like the these episodes just sort of blended together for me sure you want me to read the description for the next episode yeah okay so also episode 24 is called winner's circle uh, the race between Team Satomi and Team Delstein rages on as the two teams, uh, or with the two teams launching nonstop attacks on each other, culminating in a photo finish between uh, 
Takashi and Cunningham with the two locked in combat all the way up to the finish. With Takashi uh, just a hair ahead of Cunningham, Team Satomi takes the win and proceeds to the finals where Team White Snow awaits. Uh, in the lead up to the last race of the season, emotions are high as Andre makes up with Hongra as well as his wife and daughter. Meanwhile, Takashi is confronted by Team White Snow and challenged to a sword fight against noted punk bitch Zanuck as they attempt to <laughs> intimidate him before their championship race. Yeah, no. So yeah, like I said, Andre literally says like, "Oh, we, you know, I'm no longer with my family anymore. Like they left me because of I can't remember his reason." Uh, and then like within a few minutes, kind of thing, they're back together, or like within like the next episode, it's like, "Oh, we actually got back together off screen." And it's like, I mean, I guess that could have happened, but then it's like again, like why the fuck is it in the show if you're gonna undo it? It also makes the Andre uh, Valshine Captain backstory even less fun and lower stakes like it's just so mm-hmm. bad <laughs> yeah it's it's compelling sort of besides like the whole concept of like oh we're rivals because you ended up dating the girl <laughs> yeah so fuck you yeah it would be almost compelling if it's like oh we we stopped being friends over this girl but it really didn't matter in the end because like that's not a healthy relationship and like as a result we kind of fell out like me even i lost my friend and my wife kind of thing like that's like us that's like a thing okay i can get behind like generally that idea but yeah for them to just be like oh yeah we got back together because i'm a i'm a nicer guy now because team satomi made me a nice guy it's like oh like why are you wasting my time show like you could have completely done without the like stereotypical because again it, it, they not they never once they just kind of assume that uh woman i don't know if they gave her a name uh i don't think they do yeah would choose either of them if either of them went up to her and like asked to like go on a date or whatever so it's like this foregone conclusion that it's like oh she she would definitely say yes to either of them, so it's really up to them to decide or whatever. Like, like ew, ew. And yeah, they just like punch yeah. each other a bunch. It's like, oh my god. Yeah, I will say they're uh, in one of those flashbacks where they're like punching each other like after a race or something like that. Like at the very least, the animation sells how fucking pitiful <laughs> those two are. Like mm-hmm. they just like they kind of flop around at each other. Like it's not like intense fighting. It's just like sad, <laughs> but. But yeah, every everything about it kind of sucks. I I feel like like it would not make it better, but I feel like it needed to be more set up before these two episodes for it to even like kind of land. But because it all just comes out in one episode and then is completely resolved in the next episode, it's just like okay, well, what was the point of that little cul-de-sac? Um, it reminds me of the earlier episode with the uh, mechanics' parents. Yeah, and with just like putting in backstory that adds nothing and actively makes the episode worse. <laughs> yeah, it's very strange. I feel like, um, cause like the stuff that really works is like, like you don't even need to know what his specific backstory is to have the like, Hey, I'm a washed up X IGPX pilot. And I'm trying to like figure out myself in my older age and like him finding himself, um, like through the team, like that stuff works. You don't need to invent some weird, like, backstory between him and a rival pilot and his ex-wife and all this shit it's like it's it's so unnecessary to make the thing they were already doing like work well for the character yeah and then they run into each other like the uh uh andre and and i can't really the kaiser guy 
Yeah, Hongra is his like actual name. So they run into each other, and they more or less just kind of go like, yeah, it's been like however many years, huh? We've both changed and we're both kind of over it. And it's like, okay, that's like, I think that's reasonable of like a, hey, like, you know, you're someone who was deeply important to me back then. We had a falling out, but it's been long enough that maybe we can like reconcile. But then again, they they just throw in the the wife thing. Like I, I made a note that they could have cut all of that shit out and just had like them be like rivals that kind of fell out with each other for whatever reason and just had a line of like oh me and my family went through a rough patch but like now we're sorting things out or whatever and like that would have been that would have been fine they didn't need all this shit because yeah like you said i i liked andre as oh i put on a hundred pounds and grew a beard so no one recognizes me as like a legendary racer i like that kind of legend who stopped wanting the limelight i don't like divorced dad energy kind of thing you know yeah it's not great i like the the kind of like final line that they like him and hongra have between each other is like like hey do you want to just get a drink and that would work so well if it was just like hey we used to be like these really intense rivals that like maybe let our rivalry get the better of us but like you know we're old now and we're, we like we're doing different things like let's just like let's just catch up let's just have a drink but because they have the like weird like he was obsessed with with like ruining my life after i i took his girl from him and all that shit it's like no like if you're gonna do this at least like try to to like flesh it out a bit more but like i don't know yeah did not work at all yes episode 23 i really didn't like anything going on there uh because again like cunningham's backstory is is boilerplate it's also you know sorry not sorry i'm not really sympathetic to wealthy people okay at all I will say though, <laughs> I I do like uh Cunningham as like a rich boy because it, it fuels my uh upcoming uh AO three fanfics between him and Takashi. <laughs> so Fair. And like I don't think the show is necessarily meant to be like you're supposed to have like deep sympathy for this like oh no, I was so rich that I was lonely as a child kind of thing. I think it's just meant to be like, oh of course that's why he ended up the way he is, because he's a he's a rich boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, as soon as the fanfics are done, gotta them with the podcast twitter oh yeah <laughs> i did like some stuff in episode 24 the races in the rain which is very interesting i don't think they've done that oh fuck yes before i have a note saying oh god it's andre's spin move i don't remember who does that. i think it might be amy who, like does like a spin I think it's attack amy. yeah um and the, just the the animation style between if you look at the cunningham which i don't know why i, mean, I knew i know why but i wrote down uh come in hand so probably be saying that going forward so if i say come in hand i mean cunningham his and takeshi's fight the way that they're punching at each other is kind of like the blur thing like think like dragon ball z where you just see like lines you don't see actual like fists moving but then if you look at the amy liz versus yan and do they actually have a lot more like articulated motion i think that really sells like the the difference in speed between the the two sets of racers like cunningham's part of Velstein, but like he's he's his own thing same with takeshi like takeshi's part of satomi and while everyone on that team is important takeshi is still doing his own thing like he's he's on another level kind of thing yeah but it's like they've figured out how to like both work as a team and also like give uh takeshi the space to like do his thing and like you know take on cunningham Mm -hmm. um I like there's a bit i think in the first of these two episodes where they do mech water polo where the two like the forward and or not the forward the midfielder and defender for 
Felstein and then Amy and Liz get on top of each other's shoulder and start attacking each other that way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very good. Yeah, I do have a note that is just spin uh, when Amy does the <laughs> the spin attack move. Uh, it's very good. Um, two more things about the. Um, well, I guess a couple more things about the race. Oh, kind of touching on what you said, I like how like you know even though like Takeshi's still like in a league of his own, it's cool how. I feel like in the first Velstein race, like everything really hinged on can Takeshi like beat out Cunningham, and so it didn't really matter too much like whether Amy and Liz could hold their own. Um, whereas this one really shows that like oh, in the same way that like Takeshi can keep up with Cunningham, like Amy and Liz can keep up with uh, Jan and whatever the the other guy's name is. Is it Jan? Uh, I thought it was Jan and Do. It's definitely Don, Yan, I, or uh, do. I don't know if it's because it's spelled J A N, right? Okay, maybe they pronounce it like German. So I don't know if where it'd be Yan. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, the other two things I wanted to mention is uh, again, I, like in all of these episodes, these last couple of episodes, they really go out on the animation uh, with the 3D stuff, and the the camera work is is really fucking good. Like, there's a a shot i think where it's like the camera's like following ahead of the mechs but the mechs are out pacing the camera and so at the point where they cross the uh, camera like flips 180 degrees and like continues following the action from behind but like upside down it's just like it's so sick um and then the um uh i really like the way this race ends where they are just like so focused on fighting one another that they don't do the usual like all right time to enter speed mode they're just like nope we're gonna keep fighting literally <laughs> until the end of the race mm-hmm. um i thought that, like, was, all, that was pretty novel yeah they all cross the line like basically arm in arm like they're all like grappling with each other uh and then they do like the photo finish and they on one side, it looks like Cunningham crossed the line first, but then they they flip to the 180 view, and it's like, oh, Takeshi's foot broke the plane first. Uh, Takeshi wins, or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. It was very... I liked it a lot. Um, and then, after the race, uh, I have an all-caps, yes, the hot dog man is back. Mm-hmm. God bless. <laughs> um, I also took a note later. This is, like, several days later, because I watched these pretty early, because I thought I was going to be out of town this weekend, and I wasn't, but... Um, I just wrote, I bet Takeshi's a glizzy gulper because he doesn't. He doesn't just like bite into the oh uh, hot dog. He like th- kind of throats it a little and then he bites. I just thought of the thing, the thing where it's like Obama's such a glizzy gulper. He's the throat goat. <laughs> t- t- Takeshi really the glizzy gulper. Cunningham, <laughs> Cunningham could never throat that much glizzy. Yes, he could, idiot. You mad, Takeshi the throat goat. He isn't throat goat. Cunningham could throat more than him any day. <laughs> so, that, as, soon as, I, as soon as I had that thought, I was about to go to sleep. I had to furiously type it in my phone. Glizzy gulper. <laughs> That's so good. That uh, hot dog, hot dog guy, voiced by um, uh, Jason DeMarco, um, like tsunami producer on on the show. Mm. And then yeah, the the ends with a uh, punk bitch Zanuck. Yeah, I I, I gasped when he just he just called because <laughs> it's like you know why you're gonna lose Zanuck because you're a punk bitch. It's like whoa, Takeshi. Whoa. Um. Uh, yeah, we could we could talk about that scene because that, that's mostly in the the next episode. I have one last note about the episode, which is that um, they bring up uh, Ichi like the mechanic in this episode. Um, mm-hmm. I think like it's post race and Mark is talking to Miss Satomi about like preparations that they need to do for the next race, and he's like, 
I really do think we're going to need to do a complete overhaul on the mechs. And Misatomi's like, oh, should we call in Ichi to help out? And he's like, like, no, it's fine. Me and the boys got it. Like, why did you bring it up? I feel like you're, you're fine. Like, you don't need any extra resources <laughs> or anything. But I just kind of hate that, like, Ichi's only been in the one episode. I wish he was mm-hmm. more of a recurring character. Yeah. And I do, but I do also do like that they show that there's other, they just, uh, in a later episode as well, uh, show that there is more than just Mark. Because it hasn't been, like, a problem that stuck out, but I was like, man, Mark's doing a lot, but he does have, like, a team of mechanics with him, I guess, which is like, oh, okay, that's cool. Yeah, they start to show them more in um, uh, in these last few episodes than they do before, I feel like, and it's really nice when they pop up and they're like, yeah, we're here too. <laughs> well, yeah, I, it almost recontextualized the thing of when Mark is talking to the mechs. I was like, wait a minute, were there people in there? <laughs> were there actual people talking? <laughs> Mark didn't realize it either. <laughs> It's like, wait, I thought these mechs were talking to me, but I have, I have three employees that work under me. Oh, that's where they've been. Um, all right. Should we uh, move on? Sure. Um, I also wanted to bring up there's like flirting between Takeshi and Liz in the episode, and it sucks. <laughs> it's... I, Which will come back later. I was... I didn't... Maybe I'm just... I like, just don't like Liz. That's, that's fair. Is the thing. So when they were flirting, I was like, uh... I didn't get flirting vibes. I don't know, maybe I'm just like... Maybe I just wasn't looking at it the right angle, or or I don't know. But for me, the the ending revelation kind of came out of nowhere. Like, I think they did... I feel like they did half the setup. I feel like Liz very much uh, was, like, flirting more, or, like, having those kinds of, like, oh, I, I maybe I like Takeshi moments. Uh, but I feel like Takeshi didn't really have those moments. I feel like he had, like, a sudden realization at the very end. Um, but I didn't get, like, flirty vibes throughout the series. I don't know if I'm just blind. I might be. Maybe I'm the big dummy. So I was I was going to save this for the end, but it's funny that you, you brought this up, uh, because um, this is, there's an interview, uh, like, the commentary tracks on the, the DVD were all recorded um, for, like, the first ever DVD release of the show, so back in, like, 2006. So those are fairly old. Um, but they did a discotheque did a interview with Jason DeMarco in 2015 when this um, most recent DVD came out, kind of talking about the show in retrospect. And he was saying that, like on the production side, they were also surprised by the number of people that were like taken aback by like Takeshi and Liz eventually ending up together. That a lot mm. of people thought it came out of nowhere too, and they were like, "Really? We thought we made it pretty obvious, but I guess we should have made it even more obvious." I'm definitely in the the camp of like it it's pretty obvious. I mean like Takeshi's like yeah. clearly not aware that he has feelings for her, but he definitely does. And he's definitely like um I think like there's a lot of lines in these episodes where like he's started to be more of a, a team player and he's like willing to say things like, Wow, thanks for always being there for me, Liz. Um, but it definitely reads as like, oh, he's saying that because he likes her, not just because he likes her as a teammate. And mm-hmm. there's also like one particular moment where he says that to her and Liz is like, uh, that's nice and all. Aren't you going to thank Amy too? And he's like, oh yeah, Amy, you're here too. Thanks, I guess. Like, it's like, it's really obvious that he like is like crushing on her, even though he doesn't like fully notice it. Yeah, I could see that in, in hindsight, but I guess as I was watching it, like, cause Liz's stuff like Liz was a lot more obvious about uh I think I think the reason I made the oh we're in the big uh, Takeshi big dummy arc was I was like oh Takeshi's being like uh he's not catching the drift of like oh hey like Liz is definitely like into you kind of thing um but I can definitely see like that angle of uh like oh he actually cuz yeah I did get like the uh Takeshi didn't thank Amy 
angle but i guess i just kind of read that as like he's never been really kind of butting heads with amy where he whereas he always butts heads with uh liz so i was like oh he's just like doesn't feel the need to apologize to amy but you know i think i think it's Mm -hmm. fair to like i think i don't think that i was like i feel better now knowing that a lot of people also were like but i do think that i just was misreading the the, their intentions for sure like the Mm -hmm. show's intentions it's definitely like a specific kind of like awkward like relationship type stuff that like I think that maybe the big thing that surprises people is that they kiss at the end. Uh, like that maybe comes across as like extreme, given like how like non-direct their like flirting was at times. Um, and also like in contrast, I guess to like the Fontaine stuff in the first season, it's like less obvious than that because like them they just start going out. Right? It's like oh, I like you, I like you too, and then they just start dating. This it's a little bit more of like subdued. As much as I don't like. Liz, I feel like Liz and Takeshi have way more chemistry than Takeshi and Fontaine. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, I think I think one thing that also threw me off is that in the revelation, like right before, like at the very end, like this is because at the very end of the series, uh, where Takeshi kind of like like the scene right before he asks her out, um, he like is like laying in bed and it's almost framed as if he's like, wait a minute. Liz has been flirting with me all along, and I feel the same way. Rather than like him, like having those thoughts earlier, I guess I don't know, like or like in a different way, like the, they sh- they show like a bunch of flashbacks of like Liz getting really close to him, like when she's reading like the recipe book and you know blah 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 blah. Um, and the way I read it was was Takeshi at that moment being like, "Wait a minute, like <laughs> this made me feel a certain way or or something." Yep idiot Takeshi big old dummy okay well I think we should move on to the next one and might as well do both of these at once I think since um, it's like the the last race Um, so episode 25 is called hostile contradiction Uh, Takeshi is able to take down Zanuck in their sword fight but team white snow makes it clear they'll do anything to win when Judy and Max step into fight uh, step into the fight to try to beat Takeshi uh, before the race starts, uh, the teams or the team starts to realize that Team White Stow has been behind all their Mech OS troubles. When Mark remembers that Max is a child genius hacker, as the race gets going, Luca starts to have a bad feeling that White Snow might be about to hack them again. Luca comes up with a plan to stop Max uh, Max's hacking attempt by combining his and Takeshi's brainwaves and creating an antivirus program for them to fight off Max with, uh, putting all of the um, pins in these sentences. <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> um, uh, the two are able to successfully fend off uh, Max's hack and get back to focusing on the race before they enter combat. Team, team Satomi are the first to attack once combat starts, but are thrown off when Team White Snow is able to copy all of their moves. Now knowing the extent of Max's hacking skills, they realize she must have hacked their team's database and made a program to automate their mechs to copy Team Satomi's plays. When it's Team White Snow's turn to attack, Zanuck grabs onto Takashi's mech as the three of them all take turns getting uh, their hits in on him until Amy and Liz come in to break it up before things get too bad for Takashi. White Snow then reveals the next trick up their sleeves as the three mechs combine together to form one massive robot. It's the end of episode 25. And then episode 26 is called The End and The Beginning. Um, At first, the new giant White Snow quote-unquote snowman mech 
seems to be too much to handle for Team Satomi, but after they realize they have uh, the upper hand in terms of speed, Satomi is able to keep up with White Snow's onslaught of attacks. Frustrated, Max from White Snow takes full control over the Snowman, but it is not enough. Team Satomi take their turn at um, stacking their mechs on top of one another to launch a three-pronged attack that allows them to break through and enter speed mode to finish out the race. Max is able to make a last-minute break for the finish line, passing Amy and Liz, but is unable to beat Takashi, who comes in first, making Team Satomi the IGPX champions for a second year in a row. Team Satomi is confronted by White Snow after the race, where Takashi learns that Max, who is actually the captain for White Snow, not Zanuck, has been obsessed with Takashi and wanted to do everything to beat him. Uh, with newfound understanding for each other, Satomi and White Snow end the season on good terms, and Max vows to race fair uh, the next season going forward. Uh, now that the season is over, it's time for Takashi to finally realize he has feelings for Liz and ask her out. She accepts to the elation of both Takashi and the rest of the team. Uh, again, put <laughs> notes in all these things. Uh, flashing forward to the next season, we see a more composed Team Satomi ready to kick the season off with a match against Eternal Rivals Team Velstein with young, John young Johnny Lipkin now in the control room for Team Satomi as a new trainee for the team. Uh, and quick question, the Toonami cut ends with... Um, a freeze frame, and then instead of saying to be continued like it normally does, it says in all caps on the bottom, we will never stop. Yep. Is that in the, yep. the version y'all watch? Okay, just making sure. Better, better ending so yeah, where do y'all want to start? carry that weight. Yes. <laughs> I think this is a mixed bag of two episodes. There's a lot I liked and a lot I was like, what happened here? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a fucking mess. Uh, so let's, yeah. let's, let's just go through chronolo uh, chronologically. Um, so they're doing the sword fight with like wooden swords. They're doing kendo. I've been saying that they've been doing uh, Akido. That's wrong. I'm okay. sorry. Uh, they've been doing kendo. Uh, uh, Aikido is uh, like karate. You're fine because uh, Sean Atkins and Jason DeMarco on the commentary track call it um, Bushido, which is also not quite right. It's, I'm oh. pretty sure it is as kendo yeah i think they explicitly say kendo uh in this mm -hmm. um uh not enough homoerotic energy to fight uh despite it being takeshi versus uh I said xanax uh xanic at first uh fun <laughs> fact if you look through my notes i i spell xanic a different way every time sometimes i do z-a-n-e-c <laughs> sometimes i do x-a-n-e-c doesn't matter uh still non-monogamous energy uh when when judy joins in the fray and then they Takeshi beats both of them kind of off screen. Like they do like that dramatic cutaway. And then when they cut back, Xanax uh, uh, is like holding his wrist and, and Judy, her sword is like somewhere else. I think he like knocks their sword away. But then uh, Takeshi's like, how does it feel to lose, big bitch? And then he says, oh, Xanax uh, is like, well, what do you think? And, and it shows that Max drew their own sword to uh, Takeshi's neck. Uh, which like, uh, you like got me uh, foreshadowing something yeah. about mm. this. Uh, I did have a note saying uh, if only Takeshi had three swords between the cheeks like Zoro, then he would have won easily. It's true. It's true. He would have won. Zenik says Takeshi differently. I think everyone in the show pronounces it Takashi, but he's like the first person who says Takeshi. Not really mm. important, but it's something I noticed. Um, and at the end of the scene, that one ends with. Uh, Zanuck telling Takeshi, like, oh, we're, we're planning something special for you uh, for the race. So that's the first scene of this uh, this batch. Uh, I like it. It's a fun scene. Uh, yeah. Nothing. Yeah. But then. 
then um so okay f- first first thing about the the sequence of events that is the race is that it's very funny to me the way they realize that max is child prodigy genius hacker coder software developer one like Tom Kenny, the announcer, literally just says yeah. it. Yeah. But then, but then, then like, Mark's like, I just remembered. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, I just remembered. I read a magazine article within the last year about child genius hacker Max. Turns out it's the same person. It's like, it's not like she was hiding who she was. Did you not, like, you could have put that together sooner, but mm-hmm. uh, but now they all finally realize, like, oh, it was White Snow that hacked us. So like, wow, you're so smart, Mark. Yeah. Oh, before um, we keep going. I wrote down, uh-huh. Uh, we didn't. We just skipped one thing that I thought was actually really good. Uh, Amy and Luca have have a scene, and Amy wants to talk to Luca about being nervous. Oh, I didn't note this down. This is very good. Yeah, she says like like Luca, wag your tail once if you want to, or swish your tail once if you want to talk. Swish your tail twice if you just want to sleep. And he he like swishes the tail once, and there's like a pause, and it's like, <gasps> and then he swishes it again. It's like, oh okay. <laughs> I was like, hell yeah, Luca. <laughs> Just go to sleep. Fuck yeah. And I guess Amy's like, yeah, you're right. We should probably just sleep. Huh? It's like, oh, very cute. Sleep scene. on their, I don't know if y'all notice this, their gigantic fucking bed. It's yeah. Huge. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. You could fit like, you could fit like 10 uh, Amy's on that bed. Mm hmm. California King. Uh, but yeah, sorry. Back to uh, uh, Max, the, the child prodigy who's been hacking into the government oh. since age seven. Yes, I wrote down a couple of these things. Uh, Tom Kenny, the announcer, says uh, she was proficient in C++ by the age of three and was not only running her own software by age four, but was also developing her own operating systems. (laughs) And then Mark says uh, she was already hacking into government servers and defense programs by the time she was seven. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah, uh, the the creating her own s made me think of uh, uh, Terry Davis, the the, the guy who wrote uh, the operating system designed to be the third temple of God. Interesting character. Uh, unfortunately, he passed away, but uh, uh, there's a a good documentary on uh, YouTube about him. Uh, content warning that he he's a schizophrenic, uh, paranoid schizophrenic man, and uh, he he uses a lot of slurs. So you know, but uh, mm. a very interesting person. A very interesting story but when they said creating her own s i was like oh my god i know i know of someone who did that because uh, that's no i mean even in real life that's no simple task obviously but can we agree child prodigy stories fucking suck like Mo- most of the time most of the most time. of the time they've sucked i i prefer the special boy like or special person like gundam does where it's like oh he's a special boy he got in the uh the gundam and he's very good at it like that's i like that but like this, like, ah, she was fluent in C++ since age three. Maybe I'm just inadequate because I'm not fluent in C++ and I'm 26 now. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, it's just, it's so stupid. In, the, the, yeah, in this show, like, it's stupid. In this show, yeah. Yeah. Like if you want it to be like, to just set up the fact that like, oh, she's a really good hacker. Like you don't need to, you don't need to be like, Oh, and she was hacking by the time she was wearing diapers. It's like, you could be a little bit more realistic than that. Just be like, yeah. hey, she's been hacking since she was a teenager. Like, she's, like, always been doing this. Like, that's fine. You don't need to say she was three years old and she became proficient in C++. Well, and 
even like the hacking thing like just because you're good at programming doesn't mean you're a hacker like they're completely different yeah. skill sets like if they had just stuck with she's been developing her developing her own os and that's what they're racing with today that would be great but it's like it's so stupid i mean i guess they're trying to do with like the she's like been scheming all her life and you know it's kind of like is okay with doing unethical things or whatever and like hacking into the government servers but like it's just so stupid um we also find out that uh they do ban things mid-season mm-hmm. they ban the puppeteering uh thing excuse you the puppet master attack puppet master attack thank you yeah um uh mm. yeah proving that they they only ban things when it's both plot convenient and also after somebody has like exploited a loophole in the rules mm-hmm. um, uh, i do like that uh uh you know we we love luca um but maybe luca could have uh, informed mark a bit uh sooner uh that it was probably <laughs> white snow because Lu- luca goes well i had a hunch that they were behind the hack but i didn't have any evidence and it's like are you fucking kidding me like you don't need evidence to say hey i think they might be the problem we should look into it because mm-hmm. then mark would have gone oh i did read an article that max is some genius hacker yeah um, um i do come on luca do better i have i have mixed feelings um about the hacking in the race uh so i think they can just hack us mid-race is stupid i think that's i don't know why it it, it upsets me so much but like i just think it's super lame um like the kind of like it, it it felt like uh someone having an everything proof shield where it's like they can just keep being like aha we they banned this but then they can hack us mid race but then they can turn into Voltron or whatever the fuck um I do like what it leads to I like that the way that uh Takeshi and Luca sync their minds up and Luca creates an antivirus program set in Watch World which is Takeshi's uh PSP game. Uh, and then he and Max face off in in the virtual space. Um, that's all good. I liked that, uh, but I didn't like. I think it's, I don't know. It's not like a huge deal, but like compounding with everything else around it, I just I was like, like, why the fuck are they doing this? Um, I agree. It would have made more sense if they just went straight into the okay, we're entering the combat round, and oh, they're copying our moves because that's like already set up as like they've already we already know they've hacked into their database because we saw that happen in an episode. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that they would have been able to develop this program that lets their mechs uh, like copy their moves one for one. Um, but the whole, I agree, like the whole like oh well, just mid race we're gonna hack you is like a little bit like especially because like they already did that. I mean, I get that this time like they're able to thwart it, but um, the yeah. other tricks that they pulled this episode or at least new um to the show i would almost maybe be a little more uh accepting of it if they had said like oh like if they really wanted to have the the watch world segment like if they said oh they like they have a connection like the the way that they're reading our moves is they have a connection so they can like mirror us kind of thing like you know basically they they hacked like they are connected to our wi-fi or whatever then maybe but again like it's just like the oh they can hack us mid-race now because before she was like doing it on the computer and like had like a vr headset or something like that but now it's like oh they can just do it like that's something you can just do um they do uh i do love more characterization for luca while they're racing um i can't remember what he says exactly but he says uh he has he has such disdain for puny human brains which i love like Mm -hmm. he's very much like y'all are beneath me (laughs) Yeah, Luke is good. I like that this is the first time that like Takashi can uh like hear Luca and not just have to have it relayed through um 
Amy. I think that's fun. Um, I like I like the fact that they this is like an excuse to break up the animation style. I think the animation for the Watchworld stuff is is fun and expressive. Um, a couple of those early shots when they enter the world, they're like flying over like mountain ranges and stuff. I'm like, this is just straight up a DBZ shot of like <laughs> somebody like Super Saiyan flying over Frieza's homeworld or whatever. Um, yeah. I will say though, I have a I have a cursed fact about this segment though, uh-huh. which is that uh uh Hongo san the um director uh, of the show over at production ig wanted this segment to be the entire rest of this episode that this oh. this hacking portion would be the entire uh first part of the race and then i guess they would just go straight into the voltron stuff at the start of the next episode um but then like I think the Toonami producers uh, were like, no, we don't, we don't think it should be like a 13 minute hacking mm-hmm. segment. I think we should, we should keep it a little bit restrained. Uh, but apparently like he had it like all storyboarded out and everything. And they were like, no, we're not going to do that, which yeah. I agree. Like it's a nice little diversion. I don't know if I would have wanted it to go on for the entirety of the episode. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, yeah. The only way I could see that, like, paying off for me is if it, if they just kept going further like it just became more and more insane like animate like think of like mob psycho 100 season 2 where like the an- animation style starts changing when things go get really intense like that would be if they went that far that would work for me but if they just kept doing what they were doing i yeah that's mm-mm. yeah it's, it's, yeah. it's insane <laughs> yeah and i think this is the I, I had already kind of had rumblings of this in the back of my brain, but this is the first time I actually wrote down that I don't like White Snow as an opponent. Um, whereas Velstein and Sledge Mama and Skylark and everyone else has like some layer of depth between uh, underneath them. Like, you know, Cunningham and Takeshi are rivals. Uh, Yama is going to get kicked off the team. River's a former uh, teammate of uh, Satomi. Everyone has like their own thing going on, but Sky or uh, White Snow is just like, yeah, we cheat and want to win, and they have like the smallest amount of payoff in the last episode, like literally like a minute of like, well, I was obsessed with you. Okay, well, that's the end of that season. Um, they just all they do is uh throw up their everything proof shield, uh, do the oh, but now I can do this and cheat and win that's all it, that's i don't know it just didn't it didn't read well for me i like the idea i don't think the execution was great <laughs> i 100 percent agree i like because i because you listen to the commentary track and they're like oh they're imagined to be like the mirror image of team satomi like they're they're their idea was like in the first season like none of the other like teams are like bad guys they're just trying to go out there and win same thing as team satomi Whereas, like, this is the first time they have a team that is like, no, we will, like, lie and cheat and, like, take every advantage we can to win the race um, uh, kind of thing. But I agree, like, I don't, the way they go so over the top with the stuff that they do, like, doesn't work with the rest of the show where it is more grounded and teams are just trying to go out there and win and race their best and all of that. Yeah, it would have been, I liked earlier in the season when they were, like, sowing discord in, like, the team. Like, when they were, like, being there to, like, when Takeshi uh, or Fontaine says, like, you know, I don't think you would even let me help you if, if, if like, I'm not going to try to help you because you wouldn't even let me 
if I did. Uh, and so she kind of like says, like, I, we need our distance. And then Xanax right there to be like, oh, Takeshi, what's going on? Trouble in paradise? Ooh-hoo-hoo. Like, that's good. I liked that stuff where they're like trying to make the team fall apart. But then at the very end, they just become fucking like mustache twirling villains. Uh, and that's when they became very boring to me. Yeah, I think I agree. Um, coolest part of the like copycat sequence is that uh like i said one of amy's signature moves is literally just a rider <laughs> kick from from common rider so we get to see amy and i guess it's uh, uh judy uh do um uh rider kicks at each other <laughs> like two common riders fighting each other which is great i appreciated that um and okay so then then we're at the end of the episode with the like transformation where they xanic literally calls it um operation snowman um this is one of those things where like i think it is stupid for the show like i don't think this kind of thing fits in the show but in a vacuum i think it's cool as shit and i think the way they execute it is cool as shit because like the end of this episode you see the entirety of the transformation sequence but you only see it in close-ups so you don't get like a full picture of like what they're ultimately like combining to make and then the end of the episode is like a zoom in on uh, Takashi's mech's like head, and you see the reflection of the the quote unquote snowman in the um in the helmet. Like I thought, like the way that was all stylized was really cool. And to me, it's got like big like um JRPG like final boss mm-hmm. energy mm-hmm. um to it, which again is incredible. Like that's an incredible energy to have. It's just not something this show really like has the space for. I feel like. Like, yeah. I get that they wanted to have a really big, heightened final match, but I feel like any of the matches between, like, Sledge Mama and Velstein had, like, better, like, rhythm and energy to them that would have made sense as, like, a... if Like, that last race against Velstein or that last race against, uh, against um, Sledge Mama could have worked in the context of a this is the last race of the season for me, whereas this just seems like you're trying a bit too hard to make it like this, like oh, how are they possibly going to win kind of thing? Yeah, I, I'm glad you, you said it a lot more uh, cogently than I did uh, in my notes. I said, yeah, the Voltron thing is kind of annoying. I want some sort of cohesion. So them doing this out of the blue looks cool, but is stupid. Like, it feels like a video game final boss, but that's not why I'm watching this show. Um, and they do a little, like, the way they defeat it is kind of interesting. Um, there was a point where they make a note of like, oh, like, you know, this thing's really slow. And I go, wait a minute, why can't they just enter speed mode and be like, all right, see ya. Um, and they kind of do that at the end. But um, I think it's because it's literally like blocking. It's the like blocking track, the like track. Once they've combined like that. That's also why it like gave me like big JRPG vibes. It's like, oh, you've got like, you know, Squall and your two other party members on the one side of the screen. And then the boss that takes up the same amount of space is like three enemies on the other side. Oh, yeah. Um, if, if you told me this was like a Magitek engine from Final Fantasy 15, I'd be like, yeah, OK, that's yeah. Of course. Yeah. Um, Takeshi has a moment where he says, "Like, oh, I'm just having so much fun." And I was like, "Oh, it's like ping pong. He's he's Pekko." Um, God, could you imagine the Yuasa racing mecha show? Oh my Incredible. god! Incredible. Dare we dream? The perfect anime. Yuasa Sensei, please save us. Yeah, if you're listening, we know you're a fan of the show. So <laughs> first, come on, uh, come on the show, and second, <laughs> make the make the. Uh, racing future mech uh sports a uh, high emotion show that we all want you to make and i apologize again for fucking up your name for two episodes straight 
Or so I was saying like Misaki Yusa. <laughs> like, no, that's not his name. Damn it. Um here's the point where uh it went even further than I wanted it to. Like, I was already annoyed. And then there's a singular moment that I was like, fuck this. Um it's when Max essentially becomes Asuka in Evangelion 4.0, where she takes see, off her eye patch. Where, that's not where I went. Oh, where she, she goes full Gundam new type. She goes full Gundam new type. Oh, okay, fair. Like with the red marks yeah. on her face or whatever. Yeah, and well, and I was already thinking before this episode, like the red dot on her face and the fact that she's got like darker skin. I'm like, you know, seems to me like Lala. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, Lala I didn't want to a- be like mention that earlier and be like a little bit racist but like okay. no glad i wasn't the only one who got that impression. yeah i figured i i forgot her name because i was gonna say uh lilo Rira Rira, but that's a different kind <laughs> no, of that's character from, yeah that's, that's from zeta but yeah like i was already getting that vibe those vibes before and then i like i wasn't gonna say anything either because i was like eh, i'm probably just i watched too much gundam and think about gundam too much but then she literally just goes full new type in this episode and i'm like oh okay yeah no they were they were definitely thinking about that when they were making that character uh, my brain was just going for like the like not necessarily like the the markings on her face but i was thinking of like literally being like this is even my final form and then she get yeah you know my brain for some reason went to Asuka uh, taking off her eye patch to reveal that she actually was the seventieth angel or whatever the fuck. fuck. Oh, God. I don't want to get into Ava again. <laughs> Gonna get too angry. I don't know what you're talking about. That's the best scene in the entire movie. I know, but like, I just mean in the context of everything. It's ugh, it's just like a lot to remember all the proper nouns. But um, yeah, no, this. I remember in a, a few episodes ago, my, I guess two episodes ago for us, uh, me saying that the Indoragamano is kind of a lot. Like, uh, like I remember being like, oh, how is this still allowed? And we talked about how they probably ban it after the fact or whatever. Uh, this one just keeps going to the point where it's it's insane. And as a result, the race kind of bounced off of me. Because um, if you think back to season one's finale, you really are like wrapped up in like, oh, who's going to win Takeshi or, or uh, Cummingham? Like, Oh, I'm so excited for this one. I was like, okay, like this is stupid. <laughs> like, I don't care who wins. Yeah, the second batch of episodes was definitely the highlight of the show for me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think I liked a lot of the season two episodes, but I'll I'll agree with with that. I think the end of season one was a lot stronger than the end of season two. Yeah, if I had to if I had to rank these, I would probably say second batch, third batch, first batch, fourth batch in terms of like. Mm-hmm. But, like, the first three batches were, like, all consistently very good. It's only this one that I'm kind of a little down on it. But, um, and then after the race, uh, they reveal that Max is secretly the leader. The the quiet one's actually the mastermind leader behind all of them. Uh, I've never seen this done before. Uh. I do like that scene for the fact that uh Takeshi just says the themes of the show at her and she goes oh wow I really will change my ways <laughs> now that you've told me that that the the found family you have in this team is what keeps you going that it's teamwork that makes the dream work <laughs> I, I I will change my ways I'll, I'll put down my hacking computer <laughs> thanks Takeshi <laughs> thanks Takeshi um there's a line I, I guess that Takeshi says he doesn't get girls so I wrote down Takeshi just doesn't get girls, only gets come in hand. I don't remember the context. Yeah, but... we we do get some good Cunningham reactions throughout this race, like both like at different points where he's like, "Come on, Takeshi, get it together," or like, "Oh, I don't know how Takeshi's gonna pull himself out of this one," or like he wins and like it, there's like a cut to Cunningham and he's like celebrating. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, uh, I don't think I have any specific notes about what they say to each other after the race, but my note is, God, it's probably just me, but the homoerotic tension between Takashi and Cunningham is off the fucking chart. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, no. And, and, well, I mean, even the teammates are like, man, he's like, he's really friendly, huh? <laughs> like, hmm. They're, they're like, um, wow, does all that guy think of, is all that guy thinks about racing? And someone's like, that guy really needs to get a hobby or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, the only thing he thinks about that's not racing is uh, Takashi, wink, wink. Yeah. Um, but the, the other note I have is that he he does like like it's clear that he's like waiting out for him. Like in other times, it's like oh they'll pass by each other and like oh while well, I got you Takashi, let me congratulate you on the race. But this one he's like waiting in the hallway um, from like the mech hangar. <laughs> like he's waiting for him. It's very cute. It it almost feels like if someone said like the dramatic shit that you would see in an anime in real life and how everyone would respond to them. Like, you know what I mean? Like the kind of thing where like someone is like, Oh, I heard this really cool thing in this anime. I'm going to say it out loud. And then he says it to mm-hmm. the team and everyone's like, uh, but he, so the guy thinks he's super fucking cool. And he's like, what? but everyone's like, man, he's kind of weird, huh? Like he just thinks about racing. Huh? I agree. Cunningham is cringe. Mm-hmm. And then we get the, the reveal that the puzzle that Takeshi got from his sister was actually from Liz. And mm-hmm. that is like, like once he solves that puzzle, he has the revelation that, oh, I actually have liked Liz all along. Okay. Like, again, I read that as like kind of coming out of nowhere, but like in hindsight, sure, I get it. Um, and then they meet wherever and he asks her on a date. Which, okay, cool, fine, whatever. And she's, I can't remember what she says, and he's like, is that a yes? And she says, no, and then she kisses him and says, that's a yes. She says, like, a Confucius line. That's like, it, yeah. uh, Like, don't say things that your actions don't, like, c- convince you of or something like that. Yeah. Like, basically being like, I'm gonna say yes by kissing you. Yeah, yeah. Actions speak louder than words or whatever, and yeah, yeah. And then uh, they go to the season rap party, essentially, um and they announce that they've been they're they're dating um and Takeshi has the most cringe line and I think maybe it's just because Haley Joel Osment saying it not to shit on his performance or anything like that but just imagine I just imagine Sora saying it which fucked me up uh he says <laughs> I'm never gonna let go of you baby uh and that made mm-hmm. my skin fucking crawl yeah but then Liz like like does a judo flip on him and makes it <laughs> makes it all worthwhile yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I have. I don't have too many feelings about the Takeshi Liz stuff, other than like obviously his heart lies with Cunningham. Um, mm-hmm. It's just true. Uh, and also, like everything about like the way he awkwardly asks her out, like the whole like, "Oh, I'm never letting you go, baby," and the fact that she like immediately does the judo flip on him to me reads as like, "Yeah, these two are gonna date for like." maybe a couple years if they're lucky and then they'll break up <laughs> like that like i this, the show does not sell me on the idea that like and then they'll they'll get married and be happily ever after like no like they'll they'll move on yeah yeah um then in the yeah it cuts to the next season uh and they they say it's 2051 i don't remember if they said that it was 2049 at the beginning of the series i don't remember i think so because i think i made reference to the oh, fact that, oh this is the same year as blade runner yeah yeah or Blade Runner 2049, specifically. Specifically, yeah. Um, and I made a note that even the show knows that Velstein is, like, the more compelling 
uh, rival because that's who they ended on. They don't end it on White Snow's race. They ended on a Vel- Velstein race starting because um, they're about to go up against Velstein. Uh, and yeah, they can all hear Luca now outside of the mech, um, which made me think, and I'm sorry, made me think of Persona 5 because uh, that's a rule that they have in Persona 5 is once you can hear the cat once, you can hear him forever kind of thing. Um, and then, yeah, we will never stop. You better, you got to carry yeah, that we weight. Will, we will never stop. Uh, I, I do got to say, it's very cool that they end it with like, and now Liz and Takashi can also hear Luca, but like rude that it's only now at the end of the show that they can hear <laughs> Luca. <laughs> that would have been fun if that happened like halfway through. Yeah. Um, quick note about the Toonami version of this episode. You, this is the only episode where you see the ending animation that's featured in the um japanese uh, broadcast version of the show uh but they don't play it with the uh same song that they use for the uh, japanese version of the show it's got like a different track over it and it doesn't have the credits over it they still have the normal tsunami credits um but they just show like that ending animation after the like actual episode is wrapped and it's kind of nice because that opening animation or that ending animation is like all of the different teams mechs kind of like um like going by as like the different characters kind of scroll in front of the screen it's it was kind of like a nice like send off for the show in a way mm-hmm. um but yeah that's that's igpx um i have some I, I didn't take any notes but i do have some some things to say as i was diving through some of the dvd extras today but do y'all have any uh final thoughts and feelings about the show overall no i i think this was a good show I, I, you know, I might have sounded negative for the past 30, 45 minutes or whatever about the ending. Um, but honestly, they, those parts don't make it worth, not like not worth watching. Like, I wouldn't even say like, oh, just don't watch the last few episodes or whatever. Like the episodes are fine. There are just a few parts of it that are frustrating. But, you know, if you just kind of like ignore that, because a lot of the problems I have kind of deal with like internal logic. Like or like being consistent within the show. If you just don't really pay attention to that, it's fine. Um, and yeah, it's it's a it's a good show. I liked it a lot. What about you, Danielle? Any final thoughts? It's fine. This uh, show really sort of uh, cemented the fact that like uh, I don't think sports anime is really my genre because this one seemed fine, and I was just it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm gonna like ever go back to it, <laughs> or like I don't like. Not really sure what to say because, like, my feelings on it are, like, very neutral. I guess just sports anime in general, if for me to get into them, they have to have, like, something special about them, and I didn't see it in the show. But what about Love Live? Love Live's a sports anime, essentially. <laughs> yeah, that one has cute girls. We know, we know where, <laughs> yeah, where Dave is. full of lesbians. Because yeah. that's the one they compete in, like, an idol competition, right? Or is that K-On? Yes. Okay, okay, so, yeah, basically a um, sports anime. No, I think that's that's totally a valid response to the show i don't like like i said before my chief complaint if i have one is that the show's like very surface level so you really do like your enjoyment of the show really depends on how much you are here for like what is there on the surface um and for me the i adore all the 3d animation work they do for the races and i appreciate that a good percentage of the show is focused just on like the on the track um racing action and even though like my complaint is like it's not super deep i think the fact that it's not super deep allows them to spend like a minimal amount of time on the off the track stuff to have like you know stakes and characters and you still care about things you know but 
it understands that like the core appeal of the show is like when the rubber hits the road um and i just think it's like an incredibly cool show in that regard and i think the animation the 3d animation still holds up like it's like it's hard for me to say just because like i watched the show when i was like 10 or whatever but like thinking back like i feel like the 3d animation for the show is incredibly impressive for the time at least like on the scale that this show was being made um mm-hmm. like this this is going to be like having revisited now this is going to be one of the shows i point to when people like get upset about like an anime adaptation being done with 3d animation or whatever it's like hey 3d animation can be good it's like any other like artistic choice it's like it's about how you use it um but that was like that was the big thing for me about the show is I was just kind of blown away by how much I liked the production. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't help that the Adult Swim version has like sick music that I'm a fan of and like really good soundtracks and the dub cast is like surprisingly stacked um, stacked for a show of this era. They talk about on the commentary tracks, um, you know, that like their goal was like, hey, we could have gone to our like our usual staple of voice actors and it's not like there's anything wrong with those people, but we wanted this to be more of like a marquee event um and so we wanted to get like big names to back it up um i think that helps a lot too like you know i talked about it before but i think lance hendrickson like gives a really good dub performance one of those things where it's like man he should have done more anime because he's really good at it would you say that you know we had mentioned that the target audience for this was 10 to 15 year olds uh i would say it absolutely hits the mark for that i think this is the kind of thing that like if you have a kid or are a kid that like, you know, let's say you have a kid and you wanted to like watch a show with them that you think that they would like, let's say you're really into anime and your kid's not, I think it's a great way of introducing it to them. Like this is very much like a, a good anime for kids, but it's not like talking down to adults either. Yeah, I would agree with that. I certainly like, like I said, as a kid really liked the show and was like really like on the edge of my seat waiting for new episodes. Um, was really into it so i think that checks out um did dig into some of the special features i think i've already talked about most of the stuff that i wanted to um that came up in the commentary tracks but i did watch um the uh micro series just to have some context of that (laughs) and it's a very different show like as we kind of talked about because like it's got like they're fighting with guns and it's more of like a like battle royale kind of arena fight than like they're that like they're not racing their max they're it's like a death match kind of thing um but it's weird because it's got a lot of the same character names so like one of the cap like coaches for a team is named hongra but he's a very different character than the velstein coach in in the main series like there is takeshi amy and liz and amy does have like uh luca is like a cat sidekick but it's just it's very different um i also didn't realize it um initially but it's got a different director which makes a lot of sense um like it's still production ig but it's it's like a different creative team from production ig and the thing that's interesting that i learned in the interview with jason demarco that's on the dvd is that um it was actually uh the the director that ended up directing the main series uh hongo-san it was his idea to turn it into a racing show because like he got attached to the project it was just like he's the guy that production ig said like hey you're gonna direct this tsunami thing and when they first initially met with tsunami about making a full show based off of igpx he was like he he came to them with this idea of like what if it's like mechs but with f1 racing because apparently he's like 
big into racing and was just like, yeah, I don't want to direct a show with like guns and violence like that. I'd rather watch something like more kind of sports based. Um, so shout outs to him for basically like, you know, giving the initial shape to the show. I think if they had made a 26 episode more directly based off the world set up in the um, micro series, I don't think I would like it nearly as much. And I don't think it would be as like well beloved as this show is with like a, you know, small audience, admittedly, but you know, it does have its fans uh, all these years later. Um, like I said, I didn't take any notes. So I think that's all I have to say about the DVDs. And I mentioned the few things I've been meaning to mention, like the sound effects being different and stuff. Um, do got a shout out uh, the igpx.com, uh, which is a fan site that I think has been around as long as the show has been around. And if you really want to dig into like, you know, there's an episode guide on there. They wrote action reports, which are literally like complete breakdowns of the plots of each episode in case you forgot details. Uh, they've got some information about the video game, about the different DVD releases over the years, about all the music that's featured in the show, if you care about that. Um, and it's also just like delightfully like old, like design wise, like very clearly pre um, web 2.0 uh, looking website. Um, it's very good. Um, so if you want more IGPX stuff, uh, shout outs to them. They've got a, a very good breadth of information that I just recently found out about. I've been going to Wikipedia and stuff like a fool. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was uh, IGPX. Uh, I just checked. We do not have any questions this time. But if you want to send us your questions, you can email us uh, at anime at gmail.com. Or just send us a DM uh, directly on Twitter at Under the Kotatsu. Before we get into what other anime we've been watching, I have one more IGPX detail to share, which I learned. Um, which uh, so episodes twenty five and twenty six did not air in Japan, which I thought was weird. I thought it might have been like a ratings thing or whatever. Apparently, it's because like the TV block on TV uh, Asashi that production ig had gotten for the show was only for 24 episodes so production ig only planned out 24 episodes initially and then in cartoon network slash tsunami kind of had to fight to make those extra two episodes because they were planning on airing 26 episodes worth of like story um stateside so those two those last two episodes never ended up airing in japan because they just didn't like have the tv spots for them uh but they did end up airing in in the u.s um and it was one of those things where it's like the director was like no we're just gonna make 24 we're just gonna end it after 24 which is weird to me like people would probably have been mad if like 24 was the last episode if they just ended it with like like before the like i don't know if that's what that meant or if at some point they'd only planned things for 24 and 24 would have like been the finale but that means they had to cut other stuff Mm -hmm. that i'm not quite sure of but but that's the reason why if you look up on wikipedia it'll say like you know all the air dates in america and the air dates in japan and there's no air date for the last two episodes it's just a fun fact i will say japan got the better deal uh if they i was gonna say if they didn't have (laughs) to deal with the voltron ending then they got a better deal (laughs) it maybe kind of explains why those episodes are like that if that is just like the guys at toonami being like no we're gonna make two more episodes and they're gonna combine and make voltron and it's gonna be sick (laughs) <laughs> who knows anyway enough igpx talk um who wants to go first with uh what other anime they've been watching uh i can i can jump through mine pretty quick uh i finished um a place further than the universe 
cried obviously i was gonna say how many tears did you cry uh i i didn't i didn't until the second to last episode when she finds the laptop Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah no (laughs) that yeah that's the part yep um it it is a great little short thing uh highly recommend it's only 13 episodes um yeah if if i hadn't just watched it i might have put it as again one of my picks but it's a it's a delightful thing um other than that i've been still reading through akimetsu i didn't get to read as much as i'd wanted but it's it's getting there um replaying through yakuza 7 uh like a dragon which i don't know how it was released in japan if it was just ryuga gotoku 7 or if it's yakuza ryuga gotoku i don't know how they did it but whatever uh still an amazing fucking game uh highly recommend it to anyone even if you don't really like turn-based combat i don't really but still it's just so good um never never seen a better dragon quest fan game um and then uh finally i i watched uh just yesterday uh a movie called harakiri which is uh the act of slicing your belly open it, like what seppuku is the ritual harakiri is like the actual act um one of the best movies i've ever seen 10 out of 10 uh highly recommend to anyone uh it's it's a bit heavy but it's it's very 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 good from from the master uh masaki kobayashi who has directed lots of really good films i thought yojimbo couldn't be beat but uh harakiri is is right there um speaking of i also got uh crash bandicoot 4 it's about time and i've been desiring to do harakiri because uh holy fuck that game is is brutal uh and not in a really fun way uh, i'm very much hate fucking my way through it um i'm gonna beat it i can't let it beat me uh but it's a. Uh... this is how it gets you well it's it's your quest I did this with the it, yeah it's your celeste this is my celeste well, I did the same thing with the uh, the Crash Trilogy remaster, where at every step of the way, I was like, I fucking hate this game, but yet I 100%ed <laughs> all three of those games because I hate myself. Celeste, I had I had a good time with Celeste. I would not compare those two. Yeah. Celeste was was worth the uh, uh, worth the journey. This is this is like the Crash One, Two, and Three, but like on steroids because One, Two, and Three, there were a few levels that had like a hidden gem that you would go through. This one, you have to play through each level several times to actually get all of the things. Fortunately, all those things that unlock are just cosmetic like skins, um, so I don't feel the need to do it because uh, one of the skins that was just included with the game was uh, a basically like, kind of like an x-ray of Crash Bandicoot where you just see his bones. Um, so I can, I can imagine that he is dead and been condemned to hell to... to and he's, because this is the only way that I can get pleasure out of this experience because I'm so miserable. <laughs> um, but I'm gonna keep going because I deserve it. Um, this is my this is my penance um, for whatever. Um, one interesting fact is that you can play as both Crash or his sister Coco. Um, and if you put on the X-ray skin for her, uh, she still wears uh, pants and a bra. Um, because skeletons have titties. Uh, oh, oh. Crash, Crash just has boxers on, but she has like boxers and and a sports bra. Okay, well, okay, that makes more sense. That at least like I thought, like Crash was just like oh no, yeah, sorry. yeah, no, he he's wearing his uh uh boxers that are like the white and and pink hearts uh, on it. But but yeah, so we'll see. Like, 
I don't know. It's one of those things where, you know, sometimes you play like a game and like there's a really hard section, you finally beat it, and you kind of like sit back and go like, ah, like I did it. This one doesn't have that feeling because I'm feeling that on level one and I know that level two is just going to fuck me over. So uh, each one is, is, is innovative in how they, they just want to slam my asshole, but we'll get there and hopefully in two weeks I will either be dead or uh, have finished the game. So you, you will either transcend to a higher plane of reality having beaten Crash 4 or you will uh, have gone insane. I either become no, no Doctor Manhattan or the Joker baby. Only two options. Yeah, and either way, you're gonna get like melted, like Rorschach at the end. Of <laughs> yeah, that's um, that's me. All right. Uh, well, Danielle, what have uh, you been watching? Um. Well, I ended up watching Ponyo with my girlfriend again. Um. Very typical Ghibli movie in how it's like beautiful looking. It's a little bit too long and very straight. <laughs> Still, overall, a good Isn't time. Is the fish movie? Yeah, it's the fish one. Does the fish fuck? Or uh, The fish is like a 10-year-old girl. Oh. I have not seen it, for the record. But you said it's very straight, and I'm like, wait, who fucks? <laughs> or who? Yeah, it's very much not like that uh, That other fucking fish movie. I... Finding Nemo? Oh, The Shape of, the shape of Water? Shape oh, of okay. Water, yeah. Finally, oh. for the scalings. <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> my brain doesn't go to The Shape of Water when I hear fish movie. Like who fucked in Finding Nemo? Yeah, and then I uh, finished up um, OG Love Live the other day. Moving on to or season one of it. Moving on to season two. Season two is good so far. It's nice to see the uh, increased production values. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely noticeable. Season one was struggling a bit. And is is Superstar a different Love Live series, or is that like a season? There's a couple different series with like different girls. Oh, okay. so there's OG Love Live, which follows one group. There's Sunshine, which has two seasons. There's um, Superstars, which is the newer one. And then the one between, I always forget because it's named after the school. Um, Nijigasaki? Yeah, Nijigasaki. Uh, yeah, yeah. Love Live, Nijigasaki, High School Idol Club um, is the one in between uh, Sunshine and Superstars. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, season two of uh, OG Love Live is really good. Um, I like it better than season one, which... Makes sense. Like you said, there's a noticeable bump in production value. And also it's like the final season of those of that series, not counting like the movie. Um well, anything else? God, I feel like there's something I'm forgetting, but can't think of it, so <laughs> <laughs> That's it, I guess. Well, maybe when I talk about Star Wars, you'll be reminded of what you watched. Um, (laughs) I started Star Wars Visions which is like the Animatrix, but for Star Wars, they got a bunch of different Japanese animation studios uh, to direct different Star Wars shorts. I've watched the first three, which means I have seen the trigger one with the twins that look a whole, or at least the one twin looks a whole lot like uh, the twink from uh, Promare, uh, the recent trigger movie. Uh, It's really fucking good, that one short. so far, like story-wise, none of the shorts I have seen are worth writing home about. I guess, like, really, you're there for the animation, and um, uh, the uh, trigger short is directed by uh, Imaishi, who's like the big trigger animator. Did Kill a Kill? Did um, Promare? Um, did uh, what's the one? Gurren Lagann. Getting um, yes, yeah, yes. <laughs> um, which technically isn't trigger, but yeah, he did Gurren Lagann. Um, 
and it's really fucking good like it's uh just like the storyboarding is incredible there's lots of really smart like usage of framing and like even though the animation is incredibly expressive you still don't get the sense that it's like oh this is like a super expensive animation story it's like no they clearly had a limited budget and typical trigger like they used it really effectively um again the story stuff is just like what fucking ever like I, it, uh, it's very dumb and isn't the kind of star wars storytelling stuff i like but as a piece of animation it's definitely worth watching um uh part of what i didn't realize is like none of the like they are shorts i thought they were like more full-length episode but none of the star wars vision stuff are longer than like 20 minutes at most um a lot of them are shorter than that um uh but that of the ones i've watched that's the one worth worth shouting out it's called the twins um and it's the third episode uh i'll report back when i watch the remaining six which i might do tonight who knows and then in addition to that um i have spent the last two weeks getting caught up to where they're at in great gundam project with uh planetes uh which i still don't like that show <laughs> um which is frustrating because there's parts of it i do like it's mostly just the main character hachimaki brings the entire thing down he sucks so much and these last couple episodes that i've watched i'm getting towards the end of it um are like aware of the fact that he is an asshole but you know they're they're leaning into like you know like oh he's gonna like learn how to get past this and he's gonna get the girl in the end it's like no this guy does not deserve like a happy ending like fuck this guy Mm -hmm. um very very frustrating show you can check out my twitter if you want to see my episode episode thoughts or or as i continue i have four episodes left to watch so you can look out for those uh but yeah having a frustrating time with that and i'm finally caught up with like everything i'm currently watching which is nice it's not a whole lot but like i'm watching new season of lupin um current with uh current season of precure which is in its like last fourth at this point and has had some really incredible episodes recently um i still stand by uh that people should watch uh this new season of uh, precure if they're interested in precure um and i think that's about it for anime i'll just quickly shout out that um hey uh batman 1989 is a hell of a fucking movie i rewatched that um <laughs> recently for the first time in forever and was blown away by how much i i like that movie um easily tim burton's best movie by like a long shot but it's really good uh and hey i like batman when he's good and not whatever the fuck they've been doing with batman for the last like 15 years um but yeah uh anybody else got anything they want to shout out anybody else watch any star wars no never oh there is a sequel to a ndvn that i like that just came out today so i will shout out the original one sorry this is gonna be a lot of dead air while i i'll take the opportunity to say that i looked it up uh yakuza 7 is called like like the literal translation of the japanese is like a dragon 7 whereabouts of light and darkness oh <laughs> uh-huh. what <laughs> okay <laughs> you heard me hikari toyami no uh yukue uh-huh. where that light and darkness be at <laughs> it's i mean that makes sense with the story i guess like that's a major component of the story uh they don't necessarily frame it as uh light and dark they they in in the english subtitles they frame it more as uh white and black and then the gray areas but yeah that okay yeah i think i think all the yakuza games have like incredible subtitles like that like six is uh like a dragon six the poetry of life uh, see, in English, that's the song of life. I think it's the same word in Japanese, so I think whoever typed this out on the Wikipedia page is 
taken liberties by calling it poetry, mm. uh, but it's still the same same word. Also, what the f- this is a we're on a complete tangent. I do not care. Uh, <laughs> like like a dragon, Kiwami is called uh, or y- Yakuza Kiwami is called. Uh, I guess maybe this is just what Kiwami means. Like a dragon, extreme, which rules. I thought Kiwami meant um, rebirth. This says extreme. This says Yakuza Zero. Uh, subtitle is uh, the path of the oath or the path of oath. That's awkward. That's a spinoff game. Oh yeah, no. Yakuza Five, like a Dragon Five, fulfiller of dreams. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, I looked it up. I guess yeah, Kiwami is extreme. I didn't realize that. Hmm. That's I, very funny. It's a remaster, so I guess that's whatever. Anyway, so I found the name of the uh, original van that has the sequel that I will be playing later today. The name is Yuki's palpitating, passionate, phenomenal, and quite frankly proficient quest for a parentheses hot parentheses girlfriend. It's cute and gay and free. Go read it. No, I, I refuse see to see why you had to look that up. I refuse to read anything with that long of a title. I feel like I've already it's read it. It's cute and gay, and it's like literally only a lo- an hour it's long. The original. Si- it's gonna take me an hour to read the fucking title. <laughs> Fuck it's like uh, what's the no no good very bad day? Yes, Yakuza Yakuza three and the no good very bad. <laughs> Kazuma Kiryu's no ba- no good very bad day. I do like the art style of this game. Uh, anyway, yeah, no, the art's very cute. The entire VN's cute. Well, speaking of cute, and I don't know if this segment works because I haven't seen the show, but speaking of cute, Danielle, do you want to tell our viewers, or viewers, listeners, uh, what we're watching next? Well, thank you. I am actually very cute. All right, our next show is going to be Mawaru Penguidrum. We're finally watching something from Ikuhara after hearing me talk about him, like, basically every episode, I feel like. That's true, except for the the IGPX episodes. Connection there is very tenuous. Um, yeah, it's a. I am picking the straightest Ikuhara show. Sadly, I feel like I'll pick Yurikuma eventually, just to hear me shouting about gay people. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, the show's um mostly about um the found family and getting over trauma. So you know, still very resonant with me, a noted member of the gays. Um, and my thing is, it's going to be really interesting to, um, compare it to Eden of the East, because they both tackle, like, um, national traumas, and it, but I feel like Penguin Drum actually successfully does it. Hmm. It doesn't have very bad takes. I'm interested to... Sounds exciting. ...to hear, or to see, like, another take on the same idea. Yeah, and at the very fucking least, it's visually very... It's directorially very interesting like every decision just yeah it's gonna be fun to talk about i'm looking forward to it yeah i haven't seen it in like 10 years i've never seen anything by the director whose name is again sorry ikuhara Ikuhara. for some reason go ikuhara i was thinking uh uh utada hikaru because that's (laughs) that's the that's because of utena hearts no 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 no, the uh, utena the anime Mm. series right yes so yeah that was his first um lead lead role he also, or did he? Because I think he only worked, only led some certain episodes of a uh, Sailor Moon. Uh, yes, he was um mostly uh I think on well on initial Sailor Moon um he's mostly like a episode director um but then he does have directorial work on like Sailor Moon S and Sailor Moon R so I don't know which came first those are Utena because Sailor Moon 
from like start to finish was on air for like 10 years or whatever so uh, see i heard utena that my brain went to man i wonder how uh the car was doing and then i just forgot the guy's name so i subbed in yep utena in. oh yeah there's also a penguin drum compilation movie coming soon so this is relevant i guess yes m- <laughs> much like madoka will have to eventually revisit at some point that, I, it's a it went so well last we'll time. I have to revisit it at all. I missed that part that it's oh, a compilation. Oh, fuck off. I like Madoka. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, I guess that's it. Uh, I already did the plugs for the email and everything. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at chai underscore squared uh, talking about how bad the last four episodes of Planetes are probably going to be. <laughs> uh, where can people find you, Danny? You can find me on Twitter at CoverMeInSauce. Uh, I don't know what I'm tweeting about lately. Uh, I guess mostly recently I've been tweeting disbelief at uh, a trial that's going on here in Virginia that involves neo-Nazis and how it's it's a, uh, the defendant. Some of the defendants, as you would expect for, about neo-Nazis, uh, are fucking insane. Uh, not in like a like I hate using that word because, you know, I don't want to like put anyone down, but like some of the shit is just like dancing in the courtroom kind of thing and the judge has to be like please just stop please stop this right now um so you'll see me reacting to some of that stuff uh starting next week because uh uh this should be the last week of the trial i'll be finally be free should <laughs> all right and uh danielle where can people find you i am at les bunny with one n on twitter retweeting art of bunny girls and uh anime girls kissing each other on the mouth which are not always mutually exclusive. I was going to say, is it anime bunny girls kissing? <laughs> Sometimes. Check out the Venn diagram. Uh, <laughs> explanation. All right. Uh, well, that's been us. Uh, join us next time for episodes one through six of Penguin Drum. Uh, Danielle, why don't you take us out of here? B-Crimes, do gay, and God, I don't have a fucking anything besides like race fast, which I'm pretty sure was the, the stinger from the first episode. I just just been, been mentally checked out the past series, y'all. I'm sorry. <laughs> the crimes do gay head empty. It's yeah. The crimes do gay. Yeah. Rocket Takeshi. Uh, They're hacking the OS. <laughs> So oh.